Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Caster Sports Collectible Podcast. We talk TTM cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. It's season four, episode 31. It's August, guys, weekend of August 7th. You know what? You're listening to the nationally ranked sports pod- card podcast hosted by me, Jeff Baker. I'm talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts. And you know what? Drew Pelto, my regular co-host, is traveling. He is on Drew's Excellent Adventure. You can go to my website, ttmcast.com, to follow Drew's exploits. But today we have a very special guest. We have uh, a TTM legend. He is an author. He is a, a content collector. He is a content, content creator. Sorry. <laughs> he is a TTM card collector. He is everything in TTM. His name is Troy Ryder. He is Mr. TTM himself. Hey, Troy. Hey, Jeff. Great, great to be here this week. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. I, I had kind of just a, a whim that I emailed you and you're like, hey, let's let's set this up. So that's awesome. Thanks. Well, Troy, I appreciate Troy. Of course, is an old friend. He's been on the show a couple of times. Troy is an author. Troy, why don't you let people know about your book? Yeah, so uh, 2000, ooh, 2016, I think it came out, uh, Autograph Collecting Secrets. And it was basically a TTM book that I I had seen uh, a couple TTM books and autograph collecting books on Amazon at the time. And I was like, you know, these are kind of bad, I guess. <laughs> no offense to some of the other guys, but it, it was a lot of links in a hardcover book that were underlined or, a, you know, a paperback book that were underlined. I was like, well, you can't click on a link in a book. So that doesn't make much sense. And so I kind of uh, took what I knew and, and wrote what I thought should be in it. And then I took chapters and I said, okay, this needs to be double this. So you just keep breaking it down and you're like, oh, I kind of took that for granted. And most people don't even know what that is. So then you go that direction and it ended up about, I don't know, 140, 150 pages. And uh, I think it, I think it still holds up today. There's nothing necessarily outdated in that book, I guess. (laughs) Um, And that, that's pretty much what, what it is. It's out on Amazon and there's a Kindle version, a paperback version. There's now a hardcover version, which is kind of fun. And there's also an audio version if you want me to put you to sleep at night. So why don't you give me the name of the book? That's the most important thing. Yeah. Autograph Collecting Secrets, Tools and Tips for Through the Mail, In-Person and Convention Success. So uh, Autograph Collecting Secrets is the main title there. So and Troy also has a really entertaining uh, YouTube channel. Why don't you give the YouTube channel out? Yeah, it's just a TTM autograph. Uh, about, oh, I want to say five or six years ago, I kind of made the decision to go away from my name and just use TTM autograph. And boy, then the hobby kind of exploded. So that was a great decision <laughs> on my a part. Good, a good decision, Troy. <laughs> and the, the only place I didn't get it was on Twitter. There's a guy who hasn't posted in several years that are that still has that. But pretty much everywhere you can find me on TTM Autograph, whether it's YouTube or uh, Instagram or even TikTok, which I only have one video up. But So don't look for me there yet. But 
He also has a great website, ttmautographs.com. He is actually updating it as we speak. It's going to be new and improved, so check that out. Troy has been uh, TTMing for a long time. How long have you been TTMing, Troy? Uh, I want to say since the early 90s, maybe. No, late 80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. And my first first in-person autograph was in the mid eighties, I guess, if you count a celebrity, you know, I always did Iowa state cyclones and stuff in town, but, uh, actually a doctor who person came, came to town in the, in the eighties and I was kind of hooked. So well, Troy knows everything about TTM. He's going to give his expertise today. Thank you for being with us, Troy. I just want to remind everyone about our radio show. We are on the sports map radio network. It is called sports collectives club. It is on Saturdays from 10 to 11 in the morning and Sundays, it is repeated from 7 to 8 Eastern. Go to sportscollectorsclub.com. You can listen to all our old shows, get information, or you can go to sportsmapradio.com. And if you don't have a sportsmap radio station in your area, you can just download the sportsmap radio app and listen to the show right from your phone. It's different content than we have on our podcasts, uh, so check it out. It is called Sports Collectors Club, sportscollectorsclub.com. And Drew is on this week. So we, we got Drew on the radio show, but he was busy. So we got we got a, a VIP coming in, sitting in from our friend Troy Rudder. Uh, we had a big week this week. We uh, came back from the National, and we'll talk a little about that. Drew and I went to uh, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats up in Manchester. We attended a minor league game together. Drew was on his, his trip. We saw Manchester and Richmond. It was a, a great game. I think it was 3-2 was the final of 4-3, and uh, Drew got a bunch of autographs, and, and it was a fun time, and they actually put us up on the board, Troy. We had They had, welcome, <laughs> TTM cast and Sports Collectors Club to, to the game, so that was kind of cool. Nice. And then Drew was on his trip. He is on. Uh, he made his 10th stop uh, yesterday at the Baltimore Orioles and Pittsburgh Pirates game. It's the only major league game he's going to see uh, Troy to uh, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. today, and then he's got a bunch of uh, other games, and he's heading mm-hmm. back towards Dallas. So we will have Drew on next week. Troy, how was your week? Well, it was a fairly uneventful week, which I guess is okay, but it was my birthday this week. So, oh, happy yeah. birthday. What are you, 21? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can drink now or gamble <laughs> or, or something like that. It feels like we're always gambling with uh, sports cards. That's a debate some people make, but... So that was, that was uh, Monday. So that was uh, pretty exciting. I took the day off from work and did all the fun stuff, like get your oil changed and get a haircut and do laundry. And <laughs> yeah, well, you, I don't have that problem with the haircut, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm almost in the same boat, but so it was pretty uneventful and uh, kind of a slow week for TTMs on, on my side, but I have a few that have come in, in the last couple of weeks that we'll talk about later. So. Very cool. Did you get any uh, collectible stuff? Do you buy any of the new uh, products? Are you into any of the new cards? Well, I bought, I, I, I did buy some Gypsy Queens and something else recently, but uh, it was pretty much a dud. I, I'm trying, I'm trying something new for the YouTube channel and I filmed it and it, I didn't get anything. So it was kind of, kind of pointless, but I did actually buy <laughs> some, uh, some items for my 1991 Don Russ set that I'm working on. And so I'm, I'm about 74 out of 770 left. So that's exciting. Yeah. And three cards were $300. So they're, Ouch. they're getting expensive. So are you down to the, the guys that have either passed away or are real expensive to get signed? Real expensive. Uh, there's a couple, there's like four Barry bonds in that set. 
and I'll, I'll only do slabbed for some of these, you know, and, yeah. uh, and Griffey's and, and Henderson's and, you know, they won't, they won't put four of each one of those in the set. So it's going to, it's going to get expensive here down the line, but it's fun. And I try to get one a month, maybe just to, just to keep them coming in and just to see the number tick down. Do you like any of the new releases for TTMing? Uh, you know, I, I think the, the 2021 or 20, 2022 tops are a lot better than last year. I could actually read the names on them this year, which is, which is good. They were so small last year, but uh, I, I haven't actually gotten that many, to be honest. I, I've kind of taken a, a break from buying because I have all this 90s junk that's just sitting here in boxes waiting to be sent out. So <laughs> I, I keep hoping that something good will, will pop up in a random pack I buy. But no, I, I don't really have a favorite this year. What, what about you? Do you have a... I really like the heritage. I like the Topps heritage. Mm -hmm. I think they're always good. I think. So. Yeah, I think they're they're really good to send out. I know uh, this is probably now two years ago. You bought a '92 Flare box. Have you been mm -hmm. sending those out to get signed? Uh, here and there, you know, it, it's kind of hard because I kind of have this. It's kind of a self-imposed restriction, I guess, where I don't send to the same people. I try not to within three or four years. And so uh, doing the Don Russ project, you know, that kind of throws a lot of those people out, out the window um, from doing the 92, unless they were rookies. So uh, I'm getting back around to them. Uh, and it, it was the 92 Fleer. I think it was the update series that I had bought at that time. And that was just a goodwill $2 find. So yep. that was, <laughs> that was kind of fun to, to send those out. And I, I know I, I usually go wait a year. I try to wait a year mm -hmm. before sending it out. How many, how many cards do you send out? Do you send out more than one? Uh, usually one. Uh, and that, that kind of goes with my typing, my letter of request, I guess. I, I know that's a subject on, you could, you could talk about that every podcast, <laughs> whether yep. you write or type, I know, but I, I'm a, I'm a typer, I'm a form letter type person. And so I, I just feel better sending one, maybe two, if I know that they have signed more than that, then I'll go ahead, but never the same card, you know, for the same card or something, you know, I, I try to at least make them different. And if it is three or four, I say, please keep one or two. And I just hope that they choose the ones to return that, that, that I they want. Need that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, they kept the wrong one. I'm like, <laughs> don't you hate that when you send out, I, I send out usually two cards. And mm -hmm. when they send the wrong card back, it drives me crazy because it's always the one that I need for my set that I don't get back. Right. And, and I had one from, well, actually that 92 Fleer update was a Fred McGriff and now I can't get them TTM. I've tried and tried. And so I bought one and it signed on the back instead of the front. And I'm like, hey. what was he thinking? Why is he signing on the back of his card? You know, those are always interesting, but usually one or two is what I go with. And then, of course that blocks that person out in my mind for like i said you know two or three years so yeah well we have we're going to hear more from troy during the show yeah. Troy will be here through the whole show uh we have a great show for you this week really fun i spoke with ryan friedman right we had ryan on last year ryan is owner president of auctionreport.com we're going to talk about kind of just what's happening in the auction world what's happening uh in terms of the hobby and Ryan, Ryan's been doing this for a long time and he's a, a real expert in, in the field. And, and we're going to talk to Ryan about what's going on next week. We have a great guest, really excited to have Derek Grady. Derek is um, 
vice president of sports auction at Heritage. And Heritage, of course, has that uh, the famous Mickey 1952 Mickey Mantle that they're auctioning off. It's a 9.5 and it was it was uh, on display at the National and it's going to make uh, realize probably over 10 million dollars. So we're going to talk to Derek next week about the Mickey Mantle and what's going on at Heritage. This week, we have all our regular segments. We have Baker's Dozen, which is our news segment. We hear uh, from our friend Les Wolf and more from Les. Les is going to talk about uh, kind of a review of what happened at the National. We have Making the Grade, which is summary of what's been going on in the grading community. We have the TTM cast sample approval, and maybe we'll hear from Troy on that one. We're gonna we're gonna find out something that we we like other than, than cards. Maybe we have the Vern Rat Minute, which runs on who has passed away in the world of sports and celebrity, and then we'll review some of our returns. And Troy will give us his returns for the week. Guys, reach out to us. We love to hear from you. You can text us at 978-729-0662, or you can email us. Troy, what's the email address? ttmcast at yahoo.com see he's a pro i told you i bring these guys on they they're they get the voice they get they get the was, delivery they know it, what they're doing that's why they're here they're professionals guys it was hard, he, it was it was hard not to sing the yahoo part like the <laughs> <laughs> well guys send us an email we love to get emails at ttmcast at yahoo.com and Brian Murray, I know we are, you had sent me an, an email and I'm going to wait until next week to answer your question when Drew, Drew's in. It's, it was about uh, grading and I don't want to put Troy on the spot this week. So we will we will answer your e- email next week. Guys, please send us emails, ttmcast at yahoo.com. Well, that wraps up all our introductions, all our business. We are going to go right into Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by sportscollectorsdaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there's always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dozen is a news summary of what's been going on in the hobby. I just want to remind everyone, I missed last week because of the National, but I'll be back this week. Check out my article on TTM and autograph tips at sportscollectorsdaily.com. It usually posts either Monday morning or Tuesday morning. It's a weekly article. It is on sportscollectorsdaily.com. Check it out. Well, Troy, I know you didn't go to the National, but we're going to give a kind of a summary of what's going on. We went on the National. Please feel free to chime in with any questions you might have about the National while, while we're while we're doing it. Drew and I were at the National. It was actually the first time that we actually got together face to face. We spent four four and a half days together, and uh, was was all about the National. We had a a great time. We recorded at the CSG booth for two days. You can go to ttmcast.com. To hear our interviews, we interviewed uh, collectors, we interviewed hobby insiders. It was kind of cool. We were kind of right in the middle of the booth and, and, the, and the aisle and people were walking by and they go, hey, I recognize your voice or hey, you guys are from TTM Cast. Can, can, let's talk. And we, so we had all sorts of uh, collectors and interesting people. So please go to TTMcast.com. You can listen to our in-show interviews. They're about, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes long. And they're kind of cool. There's a little background noise. It's not as 
as quiet and, and clean as the podcast, but it, it was still neat. It was fun to talk to. Uh, got to take pictures with some uh, sports celebrities. I bumped into Bill Walton, of all people, going down on the second day in the hotel. I, the, the doors open, and he's standing right in front of me. And I, we, My wife and I get in the elevator. And I go, hey, you're Bill Walton. <laughs> <laughs> He, so he, we talked a little about the Celtics and he, he stopped and snapped a picture with me. We had our listener meetup at the Boardwalk Burger Bar at the Tropicana Hotel. And we all our listeners were sitting there. And who walks in was Don, Dominique Wilkins. I couldn't believe it. All by himself. He was there. He must have been he was signing autographs at the show. He was at, uh, the, in the hotel by himself. He walked in. I go, guys, look at my pull. I, I pulled Dominique Wilkins for you. <laughs> Dominique took pictures with us and it was really fun. He was very nice. And then at the booth in the on the autograph uh, pavilion, uh, Frank Gore stopped to take a picture with me. Barry Sanders, which was thrilled to get a picture with him. Dan, Dan Marino actually pulled me aside and we went into a special area and he took a picture with me. And then I saw Dan Fouts from the San Diego Chargers. He was he was checking into the hotel. It, it was it was uh, I think it was Friday night or Saturday night. And he was checking into the hotel and it was, it was uh, I don't know, it was like 1130. And I was do- down with my daughter just getting some air. And I said, hey, that's Dan Fouts. And I, he took a picture with me. So that was kind of cool. It was nice to meet these guys. I didn't uh, ask for autographs. It was kind of faux pas, right, Troy? When you when you bump mm-hmm. into these guys in the wild, it's not cool to ask for an autograph, right? Yeah, I, I try not to. Yeah, <laughs> unless they say something, and then then it's okay. Yeah, you know what? I I one of them, a couple of them, I actually had my sharpie, and I I was I, I was thinking about it. My but my wife gave me the stink eye, and I said <laughs> I said, you know what? You're right. These guys are are yeah. they're they're here for for other reasons, and they're just courteous enough to ask for. Uh, to take a picture. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. It's, it's, I try not to, but if they say, Hey, do you want, if you want something, you know, I, I was, I'm like, Hmm. And I always either have like uh, a blank from the autograph card.com in my pocket, or even a, a decoy from a pack, you know, take five or six of those decoys with you at all times. You never know who you're going to, who you're going to bump into. So. Well, I mean, you were in Hollywood for a while and you were at, mm-hmm. on set for, were you asking for autographs for some of these Hollywood people? No, that, that, that's a interesting story. I have a longer story on that, but one of, one of my white whales, I guess, is George Clooney. And he's someone that I, they actually met and talked to for a long time. And I was just like, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to ask. And now, now I, I'd have to buy it. And so there, there's a good story on that at some point, but yeah, right, we'll, have it, to, we'll have to share that another time. Well, mm-hmm. just back to the national um, in the CSG booth, they had uh, one of Michael Jordan's championship sneakers for each of his championships. And they were wow. signed. It was really cool to see that the 9.5 Mickey Mantle card that we talked about from it was in the heritage booth. And I got to see that and got a picture with that. And we'll talk a little about that when we talk about auctions. Uh, and our friend uh, Tim Virgilio from Signature Soldiers was there. And I think he earned over $30,000 at the National, which was very cool. They're the official nice. charity of the National. And they've, they've earned, he's earned $192,999 since 2014. Wow. He is, I mean, he was basically, you know, Tim, right, Troy? Oh, yeah. I've, I've taken a copy of my book and we talked back and forth. And I got my, I think I got Will Clark from him because uh, Will Clark was sending out those uh, index cards. And so I, I wanted a card. <laughs> Well, I, I bought a, f- a few. No, that's it was it was Lynn, Fred Lynn. Sorry, not Will Clark. Fred Lynn. He had a I Fred got, Lynn. I got this Louis Aparicio postcard signed from him. 
I got oh, a couple. Nice. Ca- I got. I did get a Fred Lynn card from him. I got a couple other yep. cards from him, and I got a uh, Jeff Bagwell autographed baseball from yeah. him. So uh, I made a little dent in the, in the donation. I've yeah. been all, every time I, I I've gone to his booth the last couple of years, he hasn't been there. He's been a busy guy. So I we mm-hmm. finally got to meet. We're gonna have Tim on the show uh, in the next couple of weeks just to cool. talk about what he's he's been doing. He hasn't been on for a couple of years, and uh, very very proud of. Uh, how far he's gone in such a short time and uh, he's really a great guy uh just a couple of feedback on, on the national it was it was overall was pretty good the traffic inside and out was brutal um parking was a, a bitch the, the the vip parking mm. was like a mile away wow. uh, it was t- it was tough to uh, for everyone to get parking i know the vendors the the dealers had parking but it was really a, really a, a tough take if you didn't have a to reserve parking Wi-Fi problems were a mess. You couldn't get on the internet. You couldn't get, uh, you know, the guys couldn't process credit cards. It was oh. a, a real tough thing. The uh, New Jersey Convention Center was trying to force you to pay the $80 or what it was for their internet fees. And it, it was really sucky. And then Atlantic City, I don't know, if Troy, if you've been to Atlantic City lately, but it is a pit. It has mm. its problems. It is not safe. Uh, I know one of the vendors that I talked to actually got beat up, literally oh, got beat beat up outside a restaurant. Um, and it's not safe. I had my wife and my daughter there and I didn't feel safe with w- w- letting them go run around Atlantic City. You know, they they kind of mm-hmm. went down to the boardwalk and stuff. But honestly, there were people, you know, rolling joints and drinking beers and uh, it has gone downhill. I That's why I love Rosemont. Right. Yep. So. Rosemont's next year. We're going to. <laughs> Did you get your hotel yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't even. Well, I actually went to the Nationals website and they didn't even have the dates up yet. I'm, I'm sure they're out somewhere, but the website didn't ha- even have the dates out yet. I don't think maybe they did. I'm not yeah, sure. It is. I... Next year's National is in, uh, yep. July 26th, I think, to the 30th or, or thereabouts. It is at the Rosemont in Chicago, which is a great location. I love um, it. I know the hotels, I don't think the hotels have, hotels have gone up, but we tried booking hotels at, uh, at some of the hotels. We actually got a hotel, um, I don't know, about a quarter mile from, from the convention center just to have one as a backup. But uh, mm-hmm. most of the hotels, the, the, the key hotels were sold out. So uh, looking, wow. forward to the na- looking forward to the national this year. Uh, they said um, they had over 80,000 uh, attendees, meaning, uh, you know, so it, an attending means every day. So if I went in through the book, the booth four days, I was count. That would have been four people. You know what I mean? But they had mm-hmm. eighty thousand people run run through the booth. So there's a lot the the show. I mean, so a lot of people attending the mm-hmm. the national, and I think it's uh, Chicago is going to be even more. I was I was get the attached hotel. I might have missed it then. So yeah, well they haven't <laughs> they haven't gone on the, the the show hotel hasn't gone up yet. So oh, okay, gotcha. We'll watch that. That usually goes up um i don't know like november time right yeah you and, and i were going to be at the same one a couple of years ago that you that you didn't make or maybe yeah. that was just last year so no that was that was last year with my foot yeah. <laughs> well and and uh another new national news there is a new uh show management uh they, they signed a contract with a new show management so there'll be a new show management i don't think next year i think the following year will be their first year hmm. so that 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 wraps up national stuff um, so some card news stuff. Fanatics is making cards available again. Hmm. Troy, that was your lead in. Okay. Okay. 
there you go. He, he, I he's a rookie. A, well, we'll we'll give him a, we'll give him a pass on that one. I was like, that's great. No, uh, yeah. If you were looking for some hobby boxes, or I think they're even doing some single packs, you could go to. It looks like there's about 300 different uh, lids stores. Uh, you might also see them at locker room stores, and there there's some other affiliated stores uh, such as Fans and just sports in Portland, I guess, but they're starting to carry hobby boxes, just some select hobby boxes, obviously, but they have tops and it looked like they had a, they're carrying some soccer cards as well. And one of the, the NASCAR brands. So if you're in the mall and, and you don't have a, you know, local card shop in your area or something, you can try stopping in the lid store. I haven't bought a new hat in several years, so I won't, uh, it's well, not you get, my place. You get, to... the, you get the custom TTM hats. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, I think it's great. It expands cards to uh, a lot more local malls. We actually just got a card shop in the mall, in our local mall. So that's pretty fun. But yeah, go, go and check it out and see if see if they have something. And I, I assume that their prices are going to be, you know, regular retail and not uh, marked up at all there. So. What's your thought? You know, there's kind of two trains of thought, right? In terms of car availability of cards, so, some people want them to be just, uh, ex, you know, kind of exclusive, and it's hard to get cards. And you know, during COVID, it was tough to get cards, and now all of a sudden, the availability of cards is is kind of expanded, especially on baseball cards. If you want to get baseball cards, you can get baseball cards. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Do you think it's good that that there's a lot of cards to be had out there, or do you think, from as an investor, that you know, you they don't want to have a limited number of cards printed? I, th I think it's good to have them out there. You know, I, I've talked to a few local stores, one in Des Moines and one in Ames, Iowa, and they're they're saying that, you know, hands down, both of them say the basketball is their big seller right now. Like it's all basketball. They said, you know, they very rarely sell baseball, which might be why Lids is <laughs> able to get their supply pretty, pretty good because yeah. uh, uh, no one's buying. But if, if you go to any of the retail stores like our Walmart or something, you know, stuff is still whether it's baseball, hockey or or anything the next day after it's stocked, it's gone. You know, it's just obliterated. But I, th I think having it out there is is fine. Uh, I don't know. Like, I haven't paid that much attention to see if. Uh, if they're decreasing the odds of finding the hits with more product or if it's staying at, you know, one in whatever, you know, I, I don't follow it that closely. Do you, do you know, or have you followed if the, if the hit ratio has been going up or down with, with tops or anything? I think the percentages are still the same. I don't think mm -hmm. they've changed the percentages, but I think that in terms of, you know, and I remember the Wander Franco was the big card for tops this mm -hmm. year, right? That was the hot, hot card. And when it first came out, you know, people were selling it for $20, $25 for, for Wander Franco. And then they started figuring out how many of these Wander Franco cards got printed. And they, it's in the millions, you know what I mean? And <laughs> all of a sudden, the, the, the thing came plummeting down to $5 where it probably right. should be. And then, you know, Wander Franco got hurt. And you got to realize this guy's only hit five home runs in his career so far. So, <laughs> you know, it comes it, it comes down. It, it's cyclical, but I, I think there's enough room for the investor and the regular collector, the, the young kid that wants to get a, a buy a pack of cards. Mm -hmm. And I think having the cards available, especially at, a, a, at malls across the country, I think that's a good thing. And one thing I haven't seen a lot in local card shops any anymore is 
I want to say four or five years ago, and I've seen it less and less, maybe I'm just going less, but there's more people just, uh, uh, I always give the analogy and it's a little bit of a stretch of people sorting cards in the, into the trash can to get rid of the commons and just looking for the hits, you know, there's less people just looking for the hits, um, in the store and just saying, you know, to the LCS, keep it or putting it on a bid wall or whatever, you know, I don't see any of that type of a thing where people are only looking for the hits. So I guess, I guess that's a positive. <laughs> well, I mean, back <laughs> in the day thing. when you and I started collecting, we always collected the sets, right? I, I mean, uh-huh. I know I always did. Yo, you know, when you bought the tops, you were trying to get the 660 cards in the mm-hmm. set of 700 and whatever, 92 cards, whatever the was in the set. You're you're always trying to collect a set. I know all my friends and I, we would trade our doubles and try to get the sets. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know there were, and I don't know if there were, but the, the factory sets back then, now you can find factory sets going all the way back to, you know, the, the eighties. And I don't know if that's a new thing or like old cards and new packaging or, or what, but I never had factory sets when I was a kid. It was always take your chances, you know, clean, do your chores and take your dollar 20 to the local gas station and buy a pack of cards. And hopefully it's not stuff you already have. <laughs> Not to date myself, but when I started collecting cards were 10 cents a pack. So when my ah. dad used to, my dad used to give my brother and I a dollar each, we, we, uh, he'd say he'd give, he'd give us five dollars. He'd say, go buy me a couple packs of cigarettes when, when they would sell <laughs> to kids, nine and 10 year old kids. And, and you can each get 10 packs of cards. And we used to get 10 packs of cards for a dollar. Wow. And I, re- I remember vividly when it went to 15 cents and I was like, I can't get 10 packs of the cards anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, back then I just get the cards and I tape them with, you know, uh, scotch tape up to the wall and stuff. Don't yeah, do that I, now. I Don't we do were, that now. We, we didn't really care about condition. We were flipping them. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool. Guys, there's a couple other things. Um, the, there was a store of the year card store of the year contest. Uh, Sponsored by Lupe and four card stores uh, were nominated, got got to the finals. And I just want to give out those card stores because I think they're great card stores. And if they're in your area, you should check them out. The the card store that won was Card Vault in Foxborough, Mass. And that's right at the Gillette Stadium. It's a, a beautiful card store. Uh, so check that out. Card Vault in Foxborough, Mass. Also, the Baseball Card Connection in Effingham, Illinois, was, was one of the finalists. Uh, the Honey Hole Collectibles in Ensenado, California, and Real Sports Cards in Ch- uh, Champlain, uh, Minnesota. Those are all f- four great card stores. If you you know go support your local card store. Uh, this weekend is International uh, Trading Card Day. Uh, check it out. Um, you know support your local card stores. You know eBay is great. Uh, shows are great, but uh, you know local card stores are the lifeblood of the hobby. Troy, do you have a favorite card store in your area? Uh, we have one now. I think it's uh, uh, something to do with lids, actually. Uh, no, it's pick and roll at, at the North Grand Mall in Ames, Iowa. And, and at first it was only open on weekends, which I, I was like, how do you afford that? But uh, the guy is really nice. And he even has enter- entertainment eight by 10 binder of, uh, you know, just about a lot of mm, classic, you know, there's some bill cosby's in there but you, you think of uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh a, a lot of i want to say 60s 70s movie stars um and some news anchors that nobody's heard of but yeah pick and roll in in ames iowa and there's actually a, a card show this weekend up at the cool check it out if you if you head on in tell them that troy sent you there you go a couple other things to let you guys know about the granite state baseball dinner which is new hampshire is going to be held september 
10th at 4 p.m. at the Delta Dental Stadium, which is where the Manchester Fisher Cats play. Wade Boggs, Lander Cabrera, and Dwyer Brown from Field of Dreams is going to be there. You can go to milb.com for tickets and check and find uh, Fisher Cats, Manchester Fisher Cats, and New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Tickets go between $50 and $80, and uh, it's it's a great event. I went last year. This They're holding it early this year. Last year was held in February, and this year is going to be in September, and I talked to the, the guys at Delta Dental uh, the other day, and they're going to have all sorts of cool stuff. You're going to be able to shag flies from Wade Boggs and Cabrera, and there's all <laughs> sorts of cool stuff. So it's a nice night, and uh, you know you don't have to cha- charge any extra for autographs. You get autographs from all the guys, and uh, it's a really it's a really fun event. And they're gonna have uh, I think they have ballpark food, and it's gonna be a really fun family event. So check it out. It's the Granite State Baseball Dinner, September 10th at four o'clock. Delta Dental Stadium, Wade Boggs, Orlando Cabrera, and Dwyer Brown from Field of Dreams. Go to milb.com. New Hampshire Fisher Cats tickets are between $50 and $80. Wow. We have some auction news to let you know about. Um, Colts owner Jim Ursay, boo, Jim Ursay, he, he does not like the <laughs> Patriots, has purchased Muhammad Ali's WC championship belt. It was from the Thriller Manila fight. Um, and he paid $6.1 million. Jim Irsay has a, is a big sports memorabilia guy. He, he always shows up on these auctions. But uh, championship belt, I believe that's a record for $6.1 million. Yeah, and there's also, you talked about the Mickey Mantle autograph, or not autograph, the card, the 9.5 card at the Nationals. I wish I would have been able to get my picture taken in front of that. But it's expected to get about 10 million dollars and ten million dollars for a piece of cardboard crazy yeah you know i i was looking at some of the articles and stuff about this and and everybody's like 9.5 and and sgc and i'm like okay that that makes a little sense that the people who had purchased the card were like well we know it's more than a nine and less than a 10 and so they wanted to go for the 9.5 and they just they nailed it you know that is incredible i think it was up to 6.1 million as of today i looked on the the website uh, last night so that is pretty crazy and that auction goes until august 27th and to give you some some history on it it was purchased for only fifty thousand dollars in 1991 so you wow that is quite a good profit if you can, <laughs> yeah, you can't find you too can many that. stocks that make that, that type <laughs> of profit. Not even, not even your Yahoo, right? So that's right. So, guys, we're gonna have Derek Grady on next week from Heritage to talk about the card. It was actually uh, purchased by the owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who's kind of mm-hmm. it was a collector, and him and his his sons were at the show, and uh, you know the the money's going to the family, obviously, but it, it, it's fabulous and. Uh, that 6.1 million, I think, was as of like three or four days ago. So I think it's even mm. higher than that now. I, I thought I heard seven something was it was at. Well, what's maybe, your what, what's your bid then? I mean, you yeah, can I know. <laughs> if, I had, if I had ten extra million lying around, but <laughs> check it out. You can check out Heritage Heritage Auction Heritage. Uh, it's ha.com is their website, and you can see their their full auction. And again, we have Derek Brady on next week. We had a record, right? We had a, a, a record that, that's going to get broken. Um, this uh, realized this week at Golden Auctions, the T206 Honus Wagoner card, it's a uh, SGC2, went for $7.25 million. Wow. So that's going to hold this record for maybe about, I don't know, a month. 
<laughs> until everything clears escrow and everything. You yeah, know. until the Mickey Mantle goes. Uh, so you know, Horace Wagner is the is the card. Uh, you know, I, I have you ever seen mm-hmm. one, Troy? Uh, I'm not sure if they had one at nationals last year. There, there was yeah. one. There was one that I stood in front of. I, I think it might have been that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, there, there was. I saw it last year, and I've seen it at the Hall of Fame. And then every once in a while, one will show up at a show. I think there's uh, less than 60 in existence. I think wow. that's the number, but um, it, it obviously is the iconic card. And if ever a high, um, you know, a high graded version comes up, I'm sure it'll break the Mickey Mantle. But, you know, <laughs> Mickey Mantle is the iconic one for, for new cards, vintage, vintage cards, I guess. And the Honest Wagner is, uh, is, is the iconic card, I think, for the hobby. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. And I love to see when uh, records get broken because that means that the hobby is healthy. There's a lot of mar- money out there to be had. And even for us sh- small guys, you know, we, <laughs> we, we still have a shot. Well, there's a couple of show news I, no, I want to let you guys know about. You know, the Nationals over, but there's a bunch of shows still coming up. The uh, Dallas Card Show is going to be September 8th through the 11th. You can go to DallasCardShow.com. It's at the Dallas Marriott at the Allen Hotel and Convention Center in Allen, Texas. They haven't announced the autograph guests, but they usually have some good guests. But check it out. September 8th through 11th, the Dallas Card Show. It's at DallasCardShow.com. Yeah, and coming up on October 21st to the 23rd, it's the next uh, Chantilly Show, which is at the Dulles Expo Center in Virginia. And they're going to have a bunch of different. I actually bought a Edgar Martinez recently, so he will be there. Maybe I should have got someone to to sign one <laughs> to take one for me. But he's going to be there. Both Cal and Billy Ripken will be there. Pete Rose will be there. He's always a a treat to see what he's going to sign on something. You never you never know, and he accepts some interesting requests for autographs as well, <laughs> as well as Mike Tyson and uh, Bettis and Joe Montana. And Lawrence Taylor. And again, that's going to be in Virginia. You could find that at uh, CS. I'm sorry. C- CSA show. CSA show. It's really small on my screen. So uh, check them out. That's again, October 21st through the 23rd. And I want to commend you to, that you got Eric Martinez out of my clunky spelling. <laughs> <laughs> I really butchered that, man. but that, that, that's a great show. Couple of, so we have some new releases to report. Um, 2002 Panini Legacy NFL. You get 16 packs, eight cards per pack. You get two autos, two minis, 12 inserts, and four parallels. It goes for about $200 a box. That's 2002 Panini Legacy NFL just came out, $200 a box. Yeah, and the Panini Recon 2021-2022 NBA, we were just talking about how basketball is is one of the more popular cards right now. That's coming out with uh, 10 packs and six cards per pack in a box. With that, you'll get two autos. They're average, they always say. Or I don't know if that's average or guaranteed. It's always hard to say what they Yeah, it's they usually box, auto. So. I, I average, I think. <laughs> uh, and that includes 20 inserts or parallels. And that's coming out between $380 to $400. And then for you Star Wars fans, and Topps does a great job with the Star Wars cards, the 2022 Top Star Wars uh, Finest Hobby Boxes are out. There's six packs, five cards per pack. So you get two minis, one auto or sketch card, plus one hit. And those hmm. boxes going for about $300. Are you a Star Wars guy, Troy? I I did some oh a few years ago when uh, I like watching Cards Infinity. I don't know if you've ever watched them on on YouTube, but they, they 
were one of the first places to actually you buy their cards and they open them on camera and they they uh, top load or penny sleeve the hits and they send you everything. And I bought some way back when and got some autographs and they weren't uh, the top level. They weren't the Harrison Ford's <laughs> back then by any chance, but uh, I don't have any anymore. I think I, I sold them somewhere. So how about the vintage Star Wars from the seventies? You were, uh, did you? No, I then? never, I never had those. I had the old uh, Star Trek, the motion picture cards, which are not worth anything. I don't <laughs> They're not worth anything. Yeah. They must have really overproduced the heck out of those, don't you think? <laughs> you see them at the Nationals if you go, they're always on the on the bargain table, pretty much the sets of Star Trek the Motion Picture and and Knight Rider and whatever. So <laughs> well, we have a couple of um new dates for releases that, that were due out uh fairly soon, but the tops 2022 Chrome Baseball that everyone is waiting for is now coming out September 30th, and, and I'm really mm. highly anticipating that one. And then the 2022 Topps Heritage High Number, which I always get, I love that one, is now set for release in November. So those were due out in uh, August, I believe, but they are now being delayed. Well, that wraps up, boy, Trey, I got to take a breath. That wraps up <laughs> Baker's Dozen. We had a lot, lot to discuss, and I thank you for joining us for that. Uh, when uh, we have uh, when we return, I'm gonna have we're gonna have our, our seg- segment more from less. And now uh, we talk with a hobby uh, expert and insider and legend Les Wolf. Les was at the national. Uh, him and I uh, sat down in his booth and, and uh, I sat at his booth for for a little while. And we, when we uh, he came to our listener meetup and he's been a, a great contributor to our show. So I talked to Les about uh, kind of reviewing the national and, and talk about. Uh, what he's got in store for, for, for the coming year. So please enjoy my interview with hobby legend, Les Wolf. And now it's time for more from Les with hobby legend, Les Wolf. Guys, the legend is in the building. The legend is in the building. I got to spend a couple of days with Les at the national. I'm talking of course about Les Wolf from Les Wolf sports LLC. He has been collecting cards and autographs for over 60 years he knows more about autographs than anyone will ever know and we are pleased and and uh happy to have him as part of the program hey Les. hey jeff the touchdown maker baker <laughs> we got to see steven baker the touchdown maker at the national i shook his hand and got his autograph which was kind of cool did you tell him that you had jeff the touchdown maker i did i said my last my last name is baker but he it just kind of was like, all right, sign next kid, next, next. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't realize that he was in in the presence of, and the honor of being with the touchdown, the real touchdown maker. There you go. Well, you know what? I was uh, privileged to be and watch you in action at the national. I get to spend a little time in your booth watching you uh, interact with customers and people. And uh, every time someone came by, their their jaws just drop because you guys have. So it's such nice stuff in there. It's almost like going to a museum. Thank you. Very cool. You know what? We were, we were talking earlier. Um, one of the cool things that I, I saw when I, when I was in your booth, this family came by and it was two, three kids and a, a father and mother. And the kids were just so excited about autographs and, and memorabilia. And it was nice to see. And you don't see that too often. Usually you see a father with a son, but you don't see a father with two sons and a daughter and the, and the mother there. It was, it, it, it's exactly what 
I believe the card companies should be catering to, should be, you know, putting the red carpet out. Instead of looking to charge a million dollars for these packs of cards and everything, they should be giving away stuff. Like that family, I felt the, I felt like they, you know, they were like beginning collectors, but the kids really are enjoying it. I mean, I gave one of the kids like a super deal on an autograph book with autograph cards in it. I'd already made my money on it. I figured I'll, I'll, I'll charge him a nominal, a very small amount and let the kid enjoy it. And after that, I think it, it changed the complexion of every transaction. The father saw that I really liked that his kids were involved the way he was involved with them. It's, it's what I believe should have been done 20, 30 years ago by all the card companies and a lot of dealers. I mean, most dealers are just strictly out for the dollar. I mean, so what if I didn't make a ton of money? I could have made a lot more money on that book, but I've tried to price it where I figured uh, that, that the kid would be happy and be, you know this would start him off further into his hobby. Well, Noah's neat is that the father um, bought, a, I think, bought a Roger Clemens ball for his son, and I think he bought another Yankee ball. I don't remember if it was a uh, who it was, right. but, but I know he bought a couple autographed balls. And you could see the father teaching the kid, like, oh, this is Roger Clemens. He was a great pitcher. He pitched for the Yankees and Red Sox. And the kid, you know, what were they? What maybe like 10 or 12 years old? They, they were young kids. But the kid was so excited to get that that binder. And I, I think his brother was a little jealous. Yeah, I know. The father was trying to make it up to the other kid. So it was fun. Well, did you have fun at the National overall? I know it's a long show. And, you know, it's it, today is Thursday. I just finally unpacked my final crate. I waited till yesterday to, to unpack them. I had like five crates I did yesterday. It, it, I had 11 total crates to do. I got to tell you, it's a grueling, grueling show. For all the people, you know, the clients and customers that come by at someone's booth, you have no idea how much work is put into setting up the booth, planning the booth, taking down the booth, you know, trans transportation back and forth. It it's grueling. It really is. And then we got stuck in traffic. I don't know how it was for you. It took us two and a half hours to get there. It took us like four hours to get home. It, it was tough. But you know what? It was great seeing you and other other collectors and other dealers that I hadn't seen in a while. And, and I, as I found out as of yesterday from a couple of dealers, you know, I had had COVID about a week, a couple of days before the, you know, a week before the national, a week and a half before the national, two weeks, actually. <clears throat> and I was wearing the mask for safety for myself in case I still may add lingering parts of it. But finding out from other dealers that a lot of people caught the virus from the uh, show. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't know what you do about, you know, all those people in, in, a, in a close proximity. And we were sitting in the autograph pavilion, just the back, looking at all the people. And I'm like, this this is COVID hell right here. You know, it's it's COVID paradise. They're going to have, this is, is going to ha have a, an outbreak. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, there was a big outbreak when a lot of dealers caught it. Who knows, you know, you know, as far as uh, clients and customers that they got, hopefully they're okay. Hopefully they just got a mild case of it, like well, I did. did. Did anything surprise you about the show? I know you've been to a million nationals now, and you go to, you know, do you do a bunch of shows a year? Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, and you're going to laugh. Um, what I found very strange at the show was, for some reason, beyond me, beyond my comprehension, the convention center wasn't allowing internet service. 
and they were trying to sell their $80 internet service. So a lot of people deal with credit cards and uh, PayPal and Venmo and Zelle um, weren't able to have those transactions. So I think in the long run, I think that that was a huge turnoff by, uh, by New Jersey, by do, pulling that on that. And the long lines for the food and the prices for the food was, I mean, a small sandwich with chicken. I, I, it was like 20 bucks. I know you couldn't get in line for, you couldn't get food. You were, you were there for a good hour and a half if you were waiting for food. And which is, which to me is, is horrible planning by the, by the convention staff. I mean, they should have, they should have supplied what I think should be done for all shows, you know, normally is not done. I think, well, some deal, actually some places do do it. Some, I think the Shriner show gives you food one night and they do get allow give you places that could call in and deliver. I think that was another, that would have been a major perk to have food being able to be delivered or someone meet, even meets you there to bring you food, to make, make your life a little easier. Yeah. You know what? They really should have had a dealer lounge and, and they had a VIP lounge, but they should have made food available in those lounges. Yeah. And they should have charged the dealers, let's say 20, 50 bucks, you know, a day or something. And just come in there as many times as you want and just eat. I mean, that to me would be the ultimate to do for a show. Maybe I'll suggest it to Jimmy Ryan. He's taken over the show, I think, in two years. Yeah. I mean, I've been to uh, Granger for a trade show as a, in a, as a dealer. And they, would ha- they had a, um, a lounge set up for the dealers. Basically, <clears throat> you got free food. You know, it was part of your booth fee. But you got free food for the three days of there or four days of there. And I think that would have been good. For the deals and the VIP, you know, we pay enough for the, those VIP tickets to get some value out of it. To How get much a hot dog. VIP tickets? Um, I think they were a couple hundred dollars, two hundred fifty dollars, maybe. But if you really figure out what you're paying and who you're getting, yeah, you're, you're not you're not getting two or three hundred dollars worth of autographs or experiences. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. No, I know. How about um, I know you you got some autographs at the show, and I I saw you in line for Ortiz. You were first in line for Ortiz. Uh, tell tell everyone about the ball that you got signed by Ortiz. Well, I've been working on four five hundred home run balls. Now I have three out of four have twenty four, and they only need his bonds. The last one I need it needs Palmero and uh, a Rod. Because it has bonds on it. So I'm hoping to complete them. I mean, I finally completed my two triple crown balls by getting Cabrera on them. So it's fun. It, you know, it's fun to get these things signed. And it, it becomes a challenge sometimes. And fortunately, um, TriStar, Jeff Rosenberg's guys, Donis and uh, Jason, they were able to get me to the front of the line for uh, Ortiz and for Tome. Because I can't spend that much time on waiting on a line. Uh, I can't leave my booth that long. And I, that, you know, but they, they're terrific. Jeff runs a great ship and everything about the way they do things is just top of the line. The only thing they, I'm, I'm sure they wish they could have done was had social distancing for the athletes and for the uh, people waiting online. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job in the autograph pavilion. I don't think the lines were as crazy as they had been in the past. Uh, really, the biggest line was to get it authenticated at, after you got your autograph. Those lines were huge. Really? Yeah. I don't, oh. I don't, I don't, 
you know, I don't know. I don't know what you do about that, but um, it, all, all in all, I think it was a good show. Atlantic city has its problems. It was par- problems with parking, but I, you know, I think I, I had a good show. It's great to see everyone. I appreciate you coming out for our listener meetup. And we got to see uh, Dominique Wilkins was there, even though I didn't invite him. <laughs> it, it was just, a, it was just a, a, a good time to see everyone. You know, we haven't seen anyone in a couple of years now. So it was nice to make, get face to face with a. No, I would definitely agree. From what I understand, it's going to be Chicago and possibly Cleveland and back to Chicago. Yeah. They're going to come back to Atlantic city, even though every time they've had a show in Atlantic city, I've done very well. But to be honest with you, it's, it's just torturous getting in that, getting into the show was fine. Getting out of there. We had to wait till five o'clock to pull a car in man. We managed to wheel out a little earlier, but it, it's torturous. I mean, that show is just, it's very, that actually that location, the convention center is very tough on dealers. Besides that floor is hard and it's not very good on your feet. I know. And there's very little park. Um, what do you call it? Uh, carpeting and the parking is abysmal. And it's really, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, Megan and, and the, uh, and the convention staff were terrific. I mean, they run everything good. I mean, we had free parking for the dealers. At least we put our car there, you know, our truck there. So that was good. But all in all, I got to say it was a good show. I, I just found some people, you know, one guy came drunk and spent an hour trying to buy something from me. And then, you know, he didn't buy anything. And I told my friend uh, with me, uh, Chris, that I don't think this guy's buying anything. But, you know, I played along with him. But I, I just still believe. And, Certain people believe what I believe. If you see something, you spend some time talking to the dealer, you work out a price, you buy it. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't go back and forth. Oh, I'll come back later. Usually, basically, when someone says I'll come back later, they're just saying, "Well, the hell with you. I don't. I'm not buying it from you," which is fine. I don't mind. Right. I know it's you can't it's... you can't sell everybody, and you can't make everybody happy. But I certainly try. Well, it was, I mean. Did you, I know you moved a, a giant helmet and you were moving a bunch of balls. Two giant helmets, yeah. Yeah, it was, did you get any, uh, any of your boxing paraphernalia and memorabilia sold or any uh, surprise, surprises in any of, the, any of the big items? I know you, you had a Ruth ball and you had a mantle ball and all sorts of other cool stuff. To tell you the truth, the Ruth ball, no one even really looked at it. The Ruth photo, which I have priced very reasonably comparative to what people are selling cuts for now. The cuts of Ruth are... Same price for more than photos now. It's crazy. Um, I, I sold probably about 25 baseballs. Nice. Uh, which was nice. I mean, I expected to sell more, but it is what it is. I, I sold a couple of books, sold two books. Uh, so you never know what's going to sell. And I, I sold a, a couple encapsulated items. And I just came back. One of my clients just bought like nine encapsulated items, you know, autographs, which is very desirable. So you never know. It's a wide variety. And what I was hoping to sell some of my bigger items, framed items, you know, some of the bigger tickets. I got a lot of, you know, great comments about the Clash original poster from 81 signed. And I was originally keeping it, but I just said to myself, it's just too massive. It's a really big one. And and my Ali shorts, I have a pair, I have two pairs of Ali shorts I was keeping. I said, I got to sell this one. So you never know. You really don't. But I, I think 
and what the guys that bought the giant helmets, 86 and 90 Super Bowl helmets that were mint condition with full JSA letters, I'm sure they're reselling it, but I'm sure they're ecstatic or the final, the end user will love it because they were nice helmets. Yeah, really they were. Nice. The guy that did it, did, you know, did a professional job getting it signed and it's going to look amazing, you know, in someone's man cave. Did you make any purchases? Did anyone come to the booth that, that you made purchases? Yes, uh, some, some guys came to the booth. I mean, I've become, as I've gotten older and been in, in the hobby so long, I've gotten really, really, really picky now what I'm buying. And it's it's all about price and it's all about the authentication, what the what I think it's going to cost me. And, and that's become, whether it's good or bad, it's become... For me, it's become a major factor. So if I buy a collection, and I think the collection's worth ten thousand dollars, and I'll buy it for four or five thousand, but I have to factor in it's going to cost me a couple of thousand authenticated. I have to take that off with what I'm paying for the collection, because it's like you know, it's like I have to spend seven to make to make ten. It's not the the margins aren't there. I got to try to make twelve on that. So you know that's. A lot of people out there think, okay, I'm selling it. You know, it's not authenticated. Let me try to get top dollar retail. Fine, you could try, but it's just, it just makes it very tough on the dealer. So I didn't really buy anything. All I did was buy food. Mainly. <laughs> that's the only thing I really bought. Uh, well, that's making that's like making a small investment anywhere, right? But I, I you got to eat no matter what, wherever you go. So, but that was that was fine. How did uh, your presentation go? You did a presentation on the main stage on yeah, Sunday. I had about a half a dozen people. I mean, it went really quick. Um, it was one of the bigger venues that I've done it in there. I mean, I've done it before 50 people packed it in a library. So, you know, the interaction wasn't that much. There was a couple of kids and their father and a couple and a couple of guys. So it was, it was fine. I mean, I enjoy, I still enjoy doing it. I just wish that someone would pick it up and want to have me just present it more to more people and maybe even hire me just to, to teach people how to proper way to protect and preserve their memorabilia. Because you walk around that shelf and you see pictures that are framed or pictures period, they're starting to fade and you know what happened with it. You know, someone kept it on a wall and it's fading and they don't, you know, people, you know, people are still trying to get full retail when a couple of the autographs are faded. Yeah, we're speaking with Les Wolf. Les Wolf, of course, is from Les Wolf Sports LLC. You can contact Les. His email address is lwolf1823. That's L-W-O-L-F-F-1823 at AOL.com. Or you can call him at 516-933-7787. Or you can just send me an email and I can forward it off to Les. If you have any questions really on how to protect, preserve your, your uh, collection, if you're worried, or we weren't about maybe getting your collection appraised, Les has a website. It's leswolfsportsllc.com. He has all sorts of stuff available to purchase. We're talking to Les about his time at the national, I get to spend some time in his booth. It was really cool to watch him interact. Someone would say, Les, do you have so-and-so, so-and-so? And Les would be like, yeah, that's on this binder, page three right here. He, he knows everything. It's unbelievable how quick he finds his stuff. Yeah, I mean, I had one guy come by and ask for Mo Berg. He says, I collect Jewish guys. I said, okay, fine. And when I pulled out, I think the guy's face dropped. Couldn't believe I had a Moberg. I said, here you go. I got two of them. You want one? Sure. So you never you know. Buy? 
Did he ride one? Yeah, he bought he bought one of them. Yeah. Oh, that's that that's awesome. But but yeah. you know, I I, I think. I think this year, more so than other years, it seemed like a lot of people came to my booth, knew exactly what they wanted. And you show it to them and, you know, they thought about it. And quite a few of them did buy some of the stuff that they were looking for. Well, it was a great show. It was a great spending time with you. We will have less on probably every other week as as going forward and talking about uh, autographs and collecting and, and just what's going on in the hobby. Les, what's your thoughts on um, this Mickey Mantle, 1952 Mickey Mantle, the 9.5 that Heritage, ha- Heritage has uh, it's reached, it's a it's six point something million. You think it's going to get to 10 or even 15 million? Probably. I think right now I got I should call Marshall Fogel because he has the PSA 10. You know, he's probably, you know, uh, celebrating whatever it goes for because he realizes that he's got the only one of the only tens out there i i honestly can't believe these numbers of these cards if you told me when i was like 15 16 18 and or my 20s that mantle rookie cards or mantle cards go for this much money i would have begged borrowed and stole to buy all those cards just sat on them i mean look at these numbers that stuff is going for between Golden and Heritage and Leland's and Hawkins and Scott and all these auction companies and Mile High and Mounted Memories, I mean, the, they're they're selling and auctioning stuff. It's it's become a hobby that used to anybody could afford. That's becoming now it's become a rich man's hobby. Yeah, I mean, they, certainly there's two phases of the hobby, right? There's the the one percenters out there that that can. Uh, afford this stuff and then there's the the regular collectors that 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 are more more in line with, with what you're selling you know i mean you you have some high-end stuff but you uh you have plenty of stuff if, if someone wants to buy uh it's been 200 dollars on a, on a nice ball you think I mean, what, what, nice what, it's ball. interesting that's an interesting topic what i've always tried to do is try to cater towards all different markets in the late 80s and 90s all i did was sell ruth and garrick stuff and i did extremely well but by doing that, you're not building up a, a, a real clientele to cultivate. If you start with a client that buys, let's say, Roger Clemens ball, comes back, then he wants to buy Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle, then he says, okay, I need a Babe Ruth. I mean, that to me is really building up a client. And a lot of, a lot of dealers don't see it that way. You know, they, you know, what I try to do is I follow up with a lot of people that have bought stuff from me or came to my booth. I'll send them an email. I'll call them. What are you looking for? How can I help you? Did you have fun? You know, you know, what else you're looking for? And I think that's really been a key for me, for my business is building up the, the personal touch, really, to um, the collecting, which a lot of dealers don't do. And, and as, I, as I look at the hobby now, I mean, a lot of the autograph dealers, the Ron Gordons, the uh, Doug Averitts, the Greg Tuckers. The big autograph dealers, the um, the the guys over at PSA, uh, Bill and uh, Kevin, you know, they, they were autograph dealers and they're out of it now, really. And I find that, you know, that's, it's helped and hurt me because, you know, I, by having other dealers that deal what I deal in and have other things, we always helped each other out. Yeah. Now that camaraderie is not there anymore because... There's so few of us that deal in all that stuff. 
Well, no, no, as nice as when you were talking with that young couple from Rhode Island and the, the gentleman, the woman, the woman that's going to have the baby and the, the gentleman was buying a couple balls. And that's kind of what you were talking about. You know what I mean? That that's the guy that that 15 years from now, he's the one that's going to buy the, the Ruth ball. Maybe, you know what I mean? It's the, no, exactly. Yeah, you'll never he'll never get his wife to come to another show, probably. <laughs> I mean, my wife did the same thing. She helped me for some shows early on. And once we had kids, that was the end. Yeah, well, it was, again, it was a fun time spending some time with you. I want to thank you again for showing up oh, at our, our thank you, Thank you. I mean, everybody, if you don't listen to me, just listen to Jeff. He he really knows his stuff. He's got a, quite a personality. And he, he doesn't tell you much about his family, but his wife and his daughter are lovely. <laughs> really nice people. And and uh, he's a luck, lucky man. Thank Very you. I agree. Th- thanks for your time again, Les. We will talk to you in two weeks. We'll come up with a great uh topic of conversation guys check out les wolf it's les wolf sports llc.com you can email Les at l wolf l w o l f f 1823 at aol.com or you can call him 516-933-7787 you can get all that information at les wolf llc les wolf sports llc i'll get it right les wolf sports llc.com thanks les Thank you. And I also had that Blondie poster. And you know what Blondie's famous song was? What was it? I don't know. I, I, call me. Call me. I, you know, a, a quick Blondie thing. I, I was watching TikTok and her and, her and Kermit the Frog were singing uh, the Rainbow Connection. So that, that's, my, that's my Blondie uh, little talk for the day. <laughs> well, if he had London's calling too, that would be good. All right, bud. I'll talk. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Have a great, have a great week. Be well, everybody. Stay healthy, stay safe, and remember to protect and preserve your memorabilia. Well, Troy, are you familiar with Les? Do you, do you know of Les? Did you ever meet him at the at a at a national or no? Just from your just from your podcast when he joins you. I I, I listened to a couple last night too, and it was the one where he was sick. So yeah, he, he unfortunately he had COVID, but he he played he hard. Was talking so. a, he was talking a little. Uh... Usually we can't we can't shut Les up because he loves to talk, and that's why we have him on. But Les, Les, I want to thank Les for for joining us, and it was great to spend some time with him at the national. Uh, next up is uh, making the grade. We're going to talk uh, grading. Making the grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. Making the grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. We have some grading numbers for July. Uh, overall, grading was up 4% over June, but uh, most of the, the companies were down. PSA was up 13%. They graded over a million cards in July. Uh, wow. One of the reasons why they had the, the big numbers, they had a sale. So that really pushed their numbers up and it really affected the other grading companies. SGC was down 46%. They only graded 54,000 cards, which which is is surprising. And also CSG was down about 13%. They only graded 153,000 cards. Beckett did not report any numbers, so we don't have any numbers to go by by on Beckett. But overall, grading was up 4% and PSA really led the the charge, so to speak. And then we were really, it was really uh, graded a lot of cards, basketball, football, and baseball in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I said, PSA kind of led the charge. Um, Troy, what were the top uh, athletes that got graded in July? Well, you know, a lot of these are ones that you would definitely expect. Again, we're going with a lot of uh, basketball this time. So you have uh, Jordan, of course, everybody's always looking for the 
the mythical gold, the Holy Grail of Jordans. So uh, Kobe, LeBron, Shaq, obviously. Tom Brady uh, is always in the at least the top 10, if not the top five of, of grading, it seems like. Uh, Griffey Jr., of course. And then we have uh, Justin Herbert leading out the top seven there. Kind of, it's kind of what we've heard, right? That basketball and football are are, are really mm-hmm. where everyone's going. Um, you know, I looked at the numbers, and there's a lot of newer cards getting graded still. So I think that's why uh, the these guys are are in there mm-hmm. as opposed as opposed to um, I don't know, you know, some of the baseball players that that aren't as popular as they used to be. Yeah, when I went to the Nationals, I think it was two or three years ago. Everybody was uh, cracking open these the green Donruss optic you know, looking for the Lucas and everything. <laughs> and so now I wish I would have I bought a few and just kind of kept them away because they're, they're worth a lot unopened now. So I'm kind of kicking myself for that, but I did get a few that I probably get graded, even though everybody's getting the same ones graded nowadays. Yeah. He he's another big one. Well, guys, that wraps up making the grade. And next up, we're going to have the TTM cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM cast stamp of approval. So Troy, do I want to put you on 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 the, uh, on the spotlight? And, and do you have a stamp of approval for I, us? I do. I have a, a community half of a one, and then I have a, a funny one that you're not expecting, probably. So, all right, well, go ahead. Give us your stamp, <laughs> TKS, TKS stamp of approval, and I, I explained to Troy it's just kind of something that we like, right? Something that that Drew and I usually give. We sometimes we give food, sometimes we give. Uh, hobby stuff sometimes we give movies sometimes give tv shows so troy what's your ttm cast stamp for approval for the week well this week like i said i'm gonna, I'm gonna try to to split it real he- here quick but i have been going through a lot of the ttm channels on youtube lately and i guess my stamp of approval is everybody who has started a youtube channel in the last in the last year or so there's so many more people doing ttms and it's just great the hobby is still exploding and i just think it's great i'm trying to find a find a place to put a listing so everybody can find them <laughs> easily without searching them out and so they they all get the 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 major stamp of approval and and the half stamp of approval is this week i finally bought an air fryer and i have found the magic of pizza rolls in the air fryer and so <laughs> they, they they get my stamp of approval cuz i i need to take stock in in uh, Tony's or Gino's, whoever it is, pizza rolls. So very Mon happy should, with that. Mon should give a, a shout out to a couple of channels that you like on, on, uh, on YouTube. TTM. Oh, now you're going to put me on the spot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, of course, w- one of the, the old time TTMers that I, that I still watch and uh, is Henry S. Uh, Henry Strobel. He always has some some interesting things and he doesn't only do TTMs, but he does like flea market finds and stuff that he finds just garage sales and everything. You know, anything. don't you love those? I really love those. I mean, he has postcards. He has hotel room key collection or something and just <laughs> all sorts of, of interesting things. You never know what he's going to uh, to pop up. And uh, another longtime TTMer is uh, Caleb's Cards. He is always, he's been doing a few of those same kind of uh, thrift store find type things, but he is always TTM and he's always doing contests. And if there's like one person in the community that I could always count on being, uh, well, everybody's kind and considerate, but Caleb is, he sends care packages. He sends out autographs for, 
uh, for signing and then donates them to uh, Autographs for a Cure, which is another uh, charity as well. And so Caleb is pretty awesome. And I'm putting a list together of as many TTM channels as I can find on my website, ttmautograph.com. But Pizza Rolls and the TTM community, I guess, are my <laughs> stamp of approval this week. See, Troy, Troy made a, a face of pain when I mentioned this to him at the beginning of the show. <laughs> See, it, was, it wasn't that bad to come up with a TTM cast stamp approval, was it? <laughs> no, that was actually pretty easy, except picking two channels or one channel out of the whole list is pretty hard because there are a lot of there's a lot of uh, old timers on the on YouTube and there's a bunch of new new people coming every day. And it's just so fun to watch what people are collecting because nobody is the same at, at all. You, you see so many different things. Well, thank you, Troy. That was Troy's TTM cast stamp of approval. He's, he's, he's lost his virginity now. He is no <laughs> longer a virgin for TTM cast stamp approval. Thanks, Troy. <laughs> My pleasure. My TTM cast stamp approval is going to be generic in, in terms of uh, I love minor league baseball games. I don't know if you, you guys, if you've never been to a minor league baseball game, it is fabulous. Parking is cheap. The food mm -hmm. is cheap. The tickets are cheap. The guys sign autographs. It is fun. You don't fight crowds. You have room. It is, uh, you know, the guys are, are giving it their all. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a, a great uh, time. It's a great event. Take your family. I've been to games where there have been 500 people there, and I've been games mm. where there's been 5,000 people, and they're all. It's just, it's just fun. The the minor league baseball, uh, you know, it's not major league baseball in terms of, of quality, but it's pretty close in terms of the quality of play. Um, and it's great to watch if you love baseball. If you want to take your kids to have a great game, they're probably going to get a foul ball. This, they give they give balls out to everyone, and there's all <laughs> this contest for T-shirts and sumo wrestling, and it's just a fun event. So you know, take your family, take your kids to minor league baseball games. Troy, are you a minor league baseball guy? Do you like go to the games? Uh, I go I go once or twice a year. They're actually in town this weekend, and I was actually threatening to go tonight. Uh, Toledo Mudheads are in town, so. Yeah, and it's great for autographs. I don't know if you're an in-person autograph guy still, and I feel weird because as a 57-year-old mm -hmm. guy asking an 18 or 19-year-old kid for an autograph, <laughs> it's a little weird. But um, I, you know, I, I sometimes I'll send my my daughter who's 20, there 22, and she's cute. I say, go, go get. Can you get go dad or get dad a couple autographs here? <laughs> you don't want to be the guy on TikTok or YouTube that's pushing the the kids out of the way. Yeah, the, but the it's it, it is really fun, and I. I, you know, I always seem to get a baseball or just something. You always get something. The, the programs, they usually give you the program for nothing. It's just a great event. Have and you have you ever been picked to go down on the field for any of those races or anything? I have not. My okay. my my kids got on the dugout to do the dancing. <laughs> I think they did <laughs> nice. the YMCA. Oh. And I we went to the game um, the other day. And, uh, and they asked me if I wanted to go out and throw out the first ball. But it with a bunch of other people and i i kind of declined yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want the spotlight but it was it, it was it, it was fun i really it's just a fun time I, so mm -hmm. my ttm cast stamp approval is minor league baseball guys support your minor league teams because it's really a fun time well, we're nice. gonna that uh wraps up ttm cast stamp for approval and we're gonna go right into the Vern rap minute
So, Troy, the Vern Rapp Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rapp, who uh, I don't know if you remember Vern Rapp. Vern Rapp was a manager mm-hmm. for the St. Louis Cardinals and uh, Cincinnati Reds, and he played. He was a backup catcher. And I sent out a TTM request to him, and, and he passed away. I didn't realize it. And his daughter sent me a nice letter and thank you for, you know, uh, writing your dad. But dad passed away a while ago and I was really embarrassed. And I actually I, I had uh, his dad or daughter on the show and, and talked to her about his dad. So this is our hmm. Vern Rapp Meadows to dedicate to Mr. Vern Rapp. We run down people who have passed away the, over the last week in the world of sports and celebrity. And this week we've lost a bunch of people, unfortunately. Uh, first, we lost Darren Gilbert. Darren was an offensive tackle for the New Orleans Saints. He played 42 games for the Saints. He went to Cal State Fulton. Darren uh, Gil- Gilbert was only 58 years old. Wow. And we also had J- uh, Jake Delaplane. He played four seasons with the Steelers and the Redskins and the Bears. Now, he was only 68. And during his time as a running back and kick returner, he had two Super Bowl rings. So that's pretty cool. So Jake Delaplane. We lost uh, Vince Scully. Vince Scully, of course, is uh, synonymous with the Dodgers. He was a, an announcer and, and play-by-play guy for the Dodgers from 1950 to 2016. And someone uh, had po- posted that he was kind of uh, similar to Connie Mack in terms of how many years he was with, mm. with one club. Uh, he is, of course, uh, he did Sandy Koufax's perfect game. He did Kirk Gibson's right. uh, home run. He did the ball running rolling through bill buckner's legs that never happened in the 1986 world series he mm-hmm. he did all sorts of uh, uh stuff he uh, they just uh commemorated him and honored him at the game last night at the dodgers mm-hmm. dodgers stadium uh vin scully was 94 years old yeah we also had lars tate who was a running back for tampa bay from 89 to 90 and also for the bears in 1991 and he was only 56 Lars Tate. So yeah, he was a pretty good player. I think he got he hurt his knee and he he tried to make it with the the Bears mm-hmm. in '91, but but didn't quite do it. We lost a champion. Uh, yeah. You know this guy. This guy won 11 championships with with the Boston Celtics. He was uh, a gold medal basketball winner. He was uh, played at University of San Francisco. I'm talking of course about Bill Russell. He coached mm-hmm. for Seattle SuperSonics in the Sacramento Kings. He played for the Celtics from 19. 19- 56 to 1959 i believe he won seven championships consecutively which will never be matched uh he um uh, he was of course in terms of autographs he hated autographs and shied away autographs for the 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 longest time and then later in life he started signing and i actually saw him at a show here in wilmington uh massachusetts used to come to the the show in wilmington every year for a couple three or four years. And of course I never got his autograph. I always mm. said, no, nah, I'll get him next year. I'll get him next year. And, uh, you know, Bill Russell was 88 years old. Wow. We lost uh, William white. William white played 11 seasons. He was a safety for the Detroit lions, Kansas city chiefs and uh, Atlanta Falcons. He went to Ohio state. Uh, he was only 56 years old. And we also have Wayne Hawkins, who was a offensive guard for the Broncos and the Raiders, and he was a five times AFL All-Star and playing for 10 years there. So uh, Wayne Hawkins, he was actually 84 years old. Yeah, we lost Wynn Remerswald. Wynn Remerswald, if you're a a baseball fan in the late 70s and early 80s, he played for the uh, 
Boston Red Sox. He was a pitcher. Uh, he also pitched in the famous, the longest game for the Pawtucket Red Sox versus Rochester, mm-hmm. which Wade Boggs and Cal Ripken played in. I believe it was a 33-inning game. It's the longest baseball game ever. And there's a huge display of it in the uh, Hall of Fame. William Remersville was only 68 years old. And another baseball uh, that we lost was Julio Valdez. He played for the Red Sox from 1980 to 1983. Uh, he was an infielder there, and he was actually only 66 years old. We lost in the world of celebrity and entertainment. We lost Tony Dow. Tony Dow, of course, played Wally Cleaver. Cleaver and I always mess that up. Wally Cleaver <laughs> on Leave it to Beaver in uh, the 60s, late 50s, and early 60s. I met Tony at a uh, Providence Comic Con. Uh, Hmm. Last year, I believe, and with with uh, Jerry Mathers, I've had Jerry Mathers on the the show, and I had Don Tony Dow on the show. So, if you want to listen to my interview with Tony Dow, you can just go to ttmcast.com and uh, check out my interview with Tony Dow. He was a uh, he was a, two, a gentleman, and he was uh, you know he was famous for being on Leave It to Beaver, and he had cancer. He was seventy seven years old. Yeah, Tony was actually he actually directed some episodes of Babylon Five as well. Um, he did. And coach as well. He would direct the coach as well. Yep. And of course, uh, Star Trek lost a huge, huge legend this week with Nichelle Nichols. Obviously, she she played Uhura on Star Trek. That was her most iconic role and and broke many barriers on that show. I actually had the chance to meet her uh, a few years ago at a convention called Gallifrey, Gallifrey One in California. And she was 89 years old and she she was out there on the convention circuit a lot. And so uh, a lot of people have met her over the years and she was always so gracious. And uh, Star Trek uh, has, a few, has a few people that are, that are left and we'll definitely miss Michelle. Yeah, and lastly, in football, football, we lost Jim Lynch. Jim was a linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs for 11 seasons. He went to Notre Dame. He started at Notre Dame. He was an inside linebacker. Uh, he is in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He played for the Chiefs from 1967 to 1978. Jim was a great TTMer as well. Jim was 76 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Troy, that, thankfully, that wraps up the burn map wrap minute our condolences and sympathy go out to our friends and family who for who have lost anyone this week uh, and we are going to talk ttm returns and i'm interested to hear ttm uh um, troy's ttm returns for the week was our mailbox full this week let's take a look at this week's ttm returns <laughs> well i have been getting in a lot of hockey I know. I I think you're a you're a hockey fan. So I am. I love hockey. <laughs> Drew and I both love hockey. So uh, here in town, there was actually someone, uh, a grad student at the university that was leaving, and he was uh, uh, from another country, and he had to unload all of his cards, and he just put them up on Facebook, and I I sweep swooped in and I I grabbed them all, and in there was a bunch of hockey, and so I got a whole bunch of hockey cards, and I've been sending those out, and most of these were from. I want to say March or April sends. And so uh, just real quick, this was last week, uh, I believe maybe a little bit longer, but I had Keith Jones, Bob Beers, Neil Broughton, and uh, a really cool one that came back with a note was Randy Veleshek. So that was real fun to get back. Jock Callender, Craig Janney, Bruce Driver, Sean Podine, and Paul Fenton. And for baseball, I got one back and I, I did a video on it, but I, I need to put a disclaimer that he is, it was, it was kind of a fluke. And that was uh, Jonathan Lucroy. 
And uh, I sent to him in 2018 to wow. the A's. And uh, of course, he, he was also with uh, the Rangers, I believe. And but there, I, I don't have a current address for him at all. And so when I when I told people about it, they were like, oh, uh, yeah. And I'm like, well, eh, I think it was a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a fluke. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, but it was nice to get back and he signed two of two. So th- that was pretty fun. And of course, I think most people were surprised when uh, TTMs from 2018 started coming back from Mike Leak. Or is it leaky? Leak. I think it's leak. Um, I had two different returns come back from him from 2018 and 2019. And it was just kind of crazy. Everybody was starting to get those in. So he must have gone through uh, <laughs> his fan mail finally and just said, yeah, let's, let's get these out of there. So that was pretty fun. And I saw that you got Greg Walker from the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Yep. Greg Walker. Because he, yep. he's not a big TTM or I, because I, I just, because I, I said, oh, Greg Walker, I don't have him. Oh. And, I went, and I went and looked and it, it doesn't seem like he signs. Huh. Well, I, I sometimes you win, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's part of the fun. You know, you, you never know what you're going to get. So uh, a lot of hockey coming in right now. And that's mainly because that's, that's pretty much what I'm sending right now. I'm actually going through all of the baseball. So uh, trying to resort it into my main stash. So that's why I haven't gotten a lot of baseball. They're all, they're all kind of 2018, 2019 and 999 day returns at this point. But uh, well, guys, what about you? Yeah. follow yeah. Troy on uh, YouTube. He posts all his returns on YouTube. It's great videos. It's ttmautographs.com, ttmautographs.com. Follow him on YouTube there. His, his video production is awesome. Did you get rid of your intro though? Did you get rid of the, uh, it's back. It's back. It's back. Good. (laughs) (laughs) He has this really cool intro that he did and he was threatening to get rid of it. And I'm like, why are you doing that? It's a great intro. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of a map that explodes and shows mail going all over the U S and then the mail truck coming up. I need to add like a, to the mail truck so it, <laughs> so it honks when it comes in or something but no, i appreciate production, that troy's production value is top notch so make sure you follow troy on on uh on youtube it is fabulous it is ttmautographs.com he posts all his um successes he posts the address sometimes and it's you, you always get pictures of his successes it's very it's a very good video so follow troy on youtube what about you have you gotten anything in this week yeah, I got four this week. So I um, you know what's weird, Trey? Before like two about a week and a half before I went to the national, I sent off, I don't know, maybe like 30 baseball. And I've mm-hmm. only got two back so far. So I'm a little concerned. Hmm. Usually usually two weeks you get you get a bunch back, but I only got I've only got two of them back. So I they I, I went for some reason. I, I I said, okay, let me pick a year and I picked two. 2003 tops I, I i just went through okay. my 2003 tops i had a binder with them i don't have the whole set i just had a bunch of cards so i sent off i got jim tracy who was manager for the los angeles dodgers he signed in a black sharpie with his number and that took less than two weeks to come back and i got uh mark malaska his on his rookie card he's a hmm. pitcher um he pitched for i think he pitched for the red sox as well he pitched for the diamondbacks right Hmm. I think I'm not sure. Relief yeah. pitcher. Okay. I got I got him. He he signed a nice and nice black sharpie. You got that in a couple two weeks. Then I got uh David Hill who played tight end for the Detroit Lions on a 1980 tops card. He signed in black 
Sharpie with his number. And this one took about a month to come back. Hmm. Uh, a while ago, I sent out about 40 of 1980 tops uh, football cards. And these are start the, the most of them come in, but I've got a stu- few still out there. And lastly, this is an old one. I got Eric Kramer from huh. the Detroit Lions, who's quarterback on my a 1992 game day card. I'm collecting this set. I've got probably about 450 of the 500 cards. I needed Eric Kramer for some wow. reason. And this has been out. This had to be out for more than a year. Hmm. And I and I got it back. So there, there are some old ones out there, but I have a, a bunch out. I actually sent out. Um, I picked up at the National. I picked up some TTM fodder and I picked up about, <laughs> I don't know, 30 1976 Topps basketball cards. So I sent out uh-huh. uh, 25 1976 Topps basketball cards yesterday. So hopefully we'll be getting wow. get some of those back. And I sent a card out to Rick Monday. I said, Frank Thomas. I sent um, Mike mm. Napoli um, and a couple other guys, a couple other baseball guys that I had picked up cards at the national. Do you do that when you go to card shows? Do you try to get cards to send out for TTM? Uh, I do. I, I, it's kind of a mixture of, of getting, you know, just old wax pack boxes or I'm not, I'm not a big uh, have a list and going through the 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 dime boxes or whatever especially at the nationals you know you, you see it was all that so, troy it was so crowded i know and i think it was uh four leaf on youtube is his name last year and he had one of those collapsible stools that look like a frisbee and you just shake it and it becomes a stool that you can sit on i was like yeah. that is genius because you have to get there early to get a chair if at all <laughs> i don't know how atlantic city was but uh, I'm not, I'm not a big, uh, single card guy to go through all those boxes on all those tables looking for something, but I'll, I'll buy some things every now and then. Yeah. Well, I picked up, a, um, a pack of, actually, a box of 1985 tops unopened mm. and I picked up a 1987 rack pack box. So I haven't decided if I'm going to bust those open and use it for <laughs> TTM or I, ha- I have a ton of 87. I don't have as many 86, but I don't know. I keep going back and forth. And then I actually got. Um, a pack, a box of 1980, I think it's 87, the sports flicks, those 3D cards. Oh, right. I, I picked it up for 10 bucks. I couldn't, I, I saw it for 10 bucks. So I'm like, I, I have to buy it. <laughs> In those cards that I bought from the guy, there was a, a set that I had, or a subset that I had never seen before. And it was, um, it might be fun to do as a project. And that's the, it was a pinnacle shades with all the players have that. like Oakley's and mirrored sunglasses. It was just, all the all the players had sunglasses, and so that was kind of kind of interesting. There, there were a lot of stars, though, so it might not be quite the the set to start. But I thought I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, I know you're doing the Donruss set, and I love mm-hmm. collecting sets. I've got I'm working on the '78 top set, and I'm working on the game day set. And the best part of the set collecting for me is getting the guys that the the one offs, the guys that only played for a year. Yep. Or I love getting those guys. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful to to say you know I I loved you all those years or something in your in your letter. You got to do your research and <laughs> know that they were only there for a year or something. So yeah, I've been working on uh, eighty. I picked up at a, a show. I don't know, not two months ago. I picked up a like a a stack of nineteen eighty football tops football cards. Mm. Just I like oh I'll get those. So I've been sending those off, and a lot of the guys. I like, I know football, but 80s a little kind of, I'm on the edge of, I was, I was, I don't think I was falling <laughs> as much back then. And some of these guys, I didn't right. know a lot and I get a card back and I, I look, you know, I look up and I learn about their career. It's kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. 
Well, guys, that wraps up TTM Returns of the Week. Troy, thank you for adding to that. It was, it was I, I love hearing about the guys that you got and, and the hockey guys. And, uh, you know, you, you, you've been doing this for a while. And I, I respect when I see somebody <laughs> that you get back, I'm like, oh, I got to, I don't have Greg Walker. I got to, I got to get him. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see your returns. Thank you. Yeah, no, my pleasure. You know, it's always fun for me to both learn about some of the hockey players and also try to uh, pronounce their names correctly for the French Canadians. So, did you did you send many con- uh, cards to Canada, or do you stick with the US? Um, I used to like I, I order Canadian stamps uh, every now and then, but I'm out currently. So right now it's kind of slim pickings because I'm only choosing the U.S. people. So uh, I do I do send out Canadian stuff when I can, but not not recently. Cool. Well, that wraps up TTM Returns for the week. Next up, we're going to have our TTM Cast interview for the week. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Well, Troy, I had the pleasure of interviewing Ryan Friedman. Ryan is owner and president of auctionreport.com. It's a great website. They have a great free newsletter. There's anything that's happening in the auction community and in the hobby as a whole, they really cover. So uh, we talked to Ryan about the hobby in general, what's going on in the auctions. So please enjoy my interview with Ryan Friedman from auctionreport.com. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. Get your sports cards graded by CSG on-site at the National. CSG is thrilled to be your on-site sports card grader at the National. Skip the shipping process and bring your cards to booth 1445, July 27th to 31st in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Also meet the CSG experts, pick up swag, and take part in exclusive show giveaways. We will see you there. For more details, visit csgcards.com. Joining the show from his offices in the Chicagoland area is Ryan Friedman. Ryan is owner and president of auctionreport.com. And we're going to talk to Ryan about his site, which is the hobby's go-to site for everything auctions. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Well, I love to love to talk to anyone that's passionate about what they do in our hobby. And so you certainly are. You've been doing this for a while, huh? Uh, been full-time in the hobby since uh, 1996. Been the auction report is... Uh been around since 2005 so 17 years with auction report and uh love our industry love this hobby love everything about it so yes i I am full fledged into it well if you guys haven't been to auctionreport.com you're missing something guys check it out it has more information i i I could spend i spent hours on this thing on this site a week because there's just so much cool stuff on it ryan why don't you tell us a little about auction report and what makes it so special you know what? It's it's our it's a niche that I established, like I said, about 17 years ago. Our focus is to give uh, collectors, buyers, sellers, everybody that's interested in, in in our industry, all the information about all the top auction houses. Uh, you know that that are that are uh, in our industry. Everything from you know important dates of when the auction starts, when the auctions ends, previews, consignment information, anything and everything that has to do with these auction houses. We cover an auction report completely free for the consumer. Just check it out anytime you want. Uh, we're always updating the website on, again, important information uh, so that you have a clear view of everything that's going on because there are a ton of auctions that are constantly going on. So it gets a little confusing, you know, for people out there that are trying to kind of find all these different websites where they can potentially bid or potentially consign. And uh, we've made it nice and easy uh, to make it, you know, again, very simple. Go to auctionreport.com. Everything you need to know about, we cover almost 50 auction houses right now. 
you know, when these auctions are happening, all the important information is on our website. And most importantly, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, we do send out a free newsletter at auctionreport.com. It's free. It goes out Mondays and Thursdays, and it gives you a recap of everything that's going on. Again, we have a nice calendar inside, so it makes it very simple. Uh, we find that people, our biggest feedback is, man, nice, easy, one-stop to keep track of everything that's going on. Guys, we're speaking with Ryan Friedman. Ryan is president owner, owner, president, founder, uh, and chief bottle washer. That's right. At auctionreport.com. It is a free website. That is right. Free, guys. It is. There's so much information there. You have to go check it out. If you haven't checked it out, he has a newsletter uh, that comes out twice a week, and he mentioned it, and I I love it. It comes out. I I just, I, I devour it. There's so much good stuff in it. It's another free website. Ryan just gives everything away, and he's a huge, huge proponent of what's been going on. Ryan, what do you think of the uh, the state of the the auctions? Is it is it still growing? You know, when we you and I spoke last year, we were kind of in a big boom. Do you think auctions are still growing as as part of our hobby? Yes, I don't, my opinion has not changed. The auction industry is the heart and soul of our industry. I think that not only from a you know buyers and sellers, it's the greatest platform that there is. No matter what the actual, um, you know, if the industry is booming, if the industry is, you know, coming stagnant in certain areas, or even if things are declining, the auction industry is always important because it's a tool to sell, a tool to buy. It's, you know, it's it's the fair market uh, of what things are worth at the end of the day. And now with all these new uh, innovations that have come out, other products that have come out, data information, it all comes from the auctions. So it's as important, not just as that selling tool and buying tool. But it's also just a great data tool for a lot of other ancillary other products that have actually come out with you know from other companies. You mentioned innovations. What innovations and changes have we seen in the auctions over the last year or so? I mean, you know, we've we, there's so much online stuff now, obviously. But um, what do you what do you see as some of the changes, and, and what do you see as kind of uh, down the down the horizon, what down the road that we're going to see as a, as a hobbyist? You know, I, th I think you've seen a lot of data related products uh, that have come out, you know, again, prices realized, uh, people like to look at past histories, understand what, you know, things have sold for comparables, you hear that a lot. In fact, you know, if you walk around these shows, uh, in the last 12 to 18 months, and you see the younger, newer collectors, especially in the cards, you know, they're constantly like on the phone looking at, you know, scanning cards, to see what other comparables have sold for, before they're able to like pull the trigger on buying something or selling something to somebody else. Uh, we've seen a huge uptick in that type of information available to the everyday person by simply downloading some of these different apps that provide that type of data. And that data on the back end is really derived from the auction houses because just the sure volume of sales that they have provide these great comparables and not just the auction, I mean, even eBay as well. Um, and all the you know, like auction houses that we cover on auction report, they are really, like I said, the soul of where all this data is coming from and having it available to you on your app, on your phone has really uh, been a, a huge plus, a big boom. And like I said, in some of these other type of products that have come out um, and, you know, everything, not just the data, but even like the images that these auction houses produce, yep. you know, you got to remember, I mean, there's tens of thousands of items every month that are put up for auction and, you know, it's descriptions, it's the pictures front and back of things, not just cards, sports memorabilia, autographs and whatnot. So all that information is now becoming more and more accessible uh, to the individual collector or buyers out there. And I think that's really uh, one of the biggest booms uh, as far as like new innovations, new products that you've seen in the last 18, 24 months. 
Is it surprising you that how many uh, auctions there are? This so the you know there's always seems to be new players in, in the auction field, and just how many different auctions there are in, on a daily basis now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm actually surprised there's not more. Um, I think because when you look at our hobby, our, our industry as a whole, there are so many individual segments you can really focus on that um, I think as you look around the different auction houses, you know, while they all deal with many different types of sports cards and memorabilia, whether it's new, vintage, or, you know, graded cards, whether it's PSA, Beckett, CSG, um, you know, everyone kind of generally handles everything, but then you get into a little uh, more niche focuses of what some of the auction houses specialize in, you know, maybe they get a little bit higher premium on items that they, you know, if they deal in game use memorabilia or newer uh, graded cards or vintage graded cards or raw cards or, you know, original photographs. And I think that there's plenty of room. There's obviously plenty of collectors, buyers and sellers to absorb more auction houses. Um, and some of the, you know, the biggest feedback sometimes you get is, you get an auction house that does have 4,000 items uh, and, and, you know, sometimes things might not be as focused in the limelight, so to speak, as maybe an auction that has a couple hundred. And so, um, you know, it's a great selling tool. And I believe that, you know, if people get com more and more comfortable with it, I actually do think you're going to see some, you know, more auction, I, I call it, the term is auction houses, but like auction companies, you know, smaller niche, more focused. Uh, come into play. I think that's actually going to be something you might see over the next two to three years, uh, more focused. Uh, and again, when I say more focused, I mean, picking out a specific niche within our, our industry where it's like, maybe they only deal with, you know, game use memorabilia, or they're right. only going to deal wrestling with wrestling cards, or wrestling cards. Exactly. Because even like, like you just said, wrestling cards, I mean, that has a massive audience. You probably could do wrestling card auctions every week if you really okay. wanted to, because again, it's, it's wrestling card wrestling cards, wrestling memorabilia, wrestling autographs, every single sport literally has niches within niches that you can expand into. So I, I do, I think that the auction industry as a whole has plenty of room to grow as far as more companies getting involved. You know, one of the things that really um, surprised me over the last year is how quick um, a card will get, it, it'll begin in the news. You know, like I'm, the example I'm going to use is the Mac Jones, one of one that got pulled what a you know what a month ago or two months ago and it was it was auctioned off maybe two weeks after it was pulled and it you know and then it was sold and then it was sold again so it, uh, it, it just amazes me how quickly these auction companies can turn around a, a card like that we well, don't thank the internet i mean i mean i've been doing this been in the auction industry like i said since 1996 full time and i mean that's really what's changed i mean the auction houses like it too for a variety of reasons, not just to collect, it's a bonus for everybody because, you know, back in the day, turnaround time was a killer. I mean, that's why auction houses only did two, three auctions a year. Yeah. I mean, was, you remember uh, Led, uh, Leland and, and Memory Lane and those guys and Heritage, they have like one or two auctions a year. Oh, in fact, you know, REA is a great example too. I mean, they did one auction a year for like forever and then they went yep. to two and then like one year, like five years or whatever it was, it's like they went to three and everyone's like, oh my God. They're doing three. And then, you know, all these other, like you mentioned, Leland's Heritage, Memory Lane, all the auction houses. I mean, three, four auctions a year was a lot. And uh, because of the internet, because of just behind the scenes um, production um, improvements, turnaround time has really uh, become a key factor to help everybody because cash flow is key, not just for the auction houses, but to please the consigners and, and the market, as we've seen in the last three years since, you know, 
the pandemic started, you know, February 2020, you know, someone who can sign something wants it to sell for the most as possible and as quickly as possible because it's cash, right? And we've seen the right. market change so quickly on individual cards and memorabilia that you need to have like, you know, before you'd have to consign something six months in advance, then the auction would happen. That'd be take like 30 days. And then you'd have 45 day period of payout. And now you're talking like eight, potentially like eight months from you can sign the card to when you're going to get paid. Can you imagine in today's market sitting on a card for eight months? I mean, that's just what happened with all the, like when the authentication companies stopped grading cards and the backlog happened. I mean, people that submitted cards back then and I had to wait that period of time. I mean, the values got to go up, they go down, they go up, and they got to be driving people crazy. So, you know, the turnaround time's fantastic uh, when you have a volatile market and things are appreciating or depreciating at a rapid pace. Well, I think the auction companies, and in turn, you as well, have done a great job promoting um, their auctions and promoting their results. And uh, I think the, the, the media, the, right, the, the mainstream media has really picked up on that. Um, does that really, uh, is that self-perpetuating in terms of creating more interest in, in the cards and more interest in our hobby and more uh, funds for everybody? All news is good news. I'm a believer of that. So yeah. I don't think that, uh, you know, I think that, yeah, anything that gets picked up nationally, obviously just reaches a bigger audience. You'll pick up some people, you know, uh, not just necessarily like people that are going to dive into our industry and start buying and selling, but even just people that might be like, hey, I think so-and-so or one of my relatives gave me something that you know maybe i should look for it and you know that you know, might have be able to sell it to somebody uh within our industry so yeah national news is key uh you know people are always intrigued by that you know the wagner that sells for millions of dollars or the mantle uh you know tops rookie that sells or you know game use babe ruth that sells for millions of dollars so yeah national news is fantastic i do think the biggest factor has been some of the financial industry's support of our industry meaning like the hedge funds that have definitely gotten into this industry that you have to understand the numbers behind it. When you have an individual that says, Hey, I'm going to dump a million to $20 million in our industry that could change things in an instant. Uh, that's, you know, three, four years ago, that was no, no one did that. Uh, now, you know, you get five, six hedge funds that are like, yeah, let's just sample. And again, sample because a hedge fund, you know, they're putting in hundreds of millions of dollars usually when they want to get into a market if they just simply drop 10, 20 million dollars and you get five of these types of guys, I mean that that that's the the yearly sales of you know 20 auction houses. So uh, it can drastically change things uh, for everybody. You know, it's funny, it, you know, speaking with you, you you, you called it uh, an industry, you know, we're in an industry and it's it's always been a hobby uh until recently, really, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, you talk about all the money that's been in dumped into the the our hobby and our in, now becomes an industry the money that fanatics and amazon and all these other uh, companies are bringing into the into the hobby and it, it is really an industry now i think it's both i mean i i i, I know i use the term industry because again it's my business it's my full-time right. thing but i do think at the end of the day you make it what you want it to be because you know it, it, when i started as a kid collecting and i you know it was a hobby right i mean that was the right. majority of the term was the hobby but uh, at that time, you go back all those years, I mean, there was still an industry, it just wasn't necessarily as big as the industry is today. So I think the term hobby kind of goes with each individual, how they perceive their collecting and selling to be right. If you know, if you're having fun, you know, with your kids and opening up packs or getting an, you know, an autograph for the experience, you probably refer to it more as it's a fun hobby to be in. But when you reach that point, when you're like, strategically buying and selling to make money, I think you start to use the term industry 
uh, because, you know, it's more of that business mentality when you go into it. But I, that's what I love about what we do, because I think it, you know, whether you view it as a hobby or you view it as, you know, being part of this industry, it creates, you know, everything. It makes it just such a great, great overall experience for anybody. Yeah, I agree. We're speaking with Ryan Freeman. Ryan is founder, owner, and president of auctionreport.com. If you've never been to auctionreport.com, guys, you're missing something. This is the hobby's go-to site for everything auctions plus. It is there's so much information there. If you love the hobby, if you love collecting, if you love uh, NFTs, if you love auctions, if you love cards, if you love game use memorabilia, check it out all the information you want. And the best part, it's free. Guys, it's free. He doesn't hold anything back. He has a, a bi two bi-weekly newsletter. It comes out on Mondays and Thursdays, I believe. And that's free as well. So go check it out. It's auctionreport.com. Again, we're speaking with Ryan Friedman. Ryan, um, you know, it's, I was, I've, I've never been, when I, I should say never, I, I would, when I first started, I was, just, I was afraid of auctions, right? You know what I mean? It was, it was always something that I had trepidation about, oh, do I want to jump into auctions? And, but it's really easy to get involved just to, for, for a newbie that that's never really uh, partaken in an auction, right? It's very simple. Uh, and, you know, having a, a, you know, a little bit nervous bidding in an auction, it's probably the same nervous as going to your first card show and trying to make a deal with a dealer behind the table. The auction companies are really easy to deal with. I tell this to everybody that's interested in getting involved, sign up and register at these auction houses. It doesn't cost anything. It's free. Uh, you know, you're on their email list. You get information as well from them directly. You know, some of them do their printed catalogs, which are fantastic resources and very cool. Uh, you know, uh, they become historic value, you know, for archiving purposes as yeah. well. You know, go to the auction houses, check out the auctions. You don't have to bid. You just have to, you know, just register. You don't even have to register. If you're really, really not comfortable, go to an auction, check it out, see, read the rules. I think that's very important. A lot of people like to skip over things. You kind of understand, like, you know, the difference in buyer's premiums. That meaning, like, once you bid on an item, you know, the auction house charges a buyer's premium. That's how they make their money. Uh, you know, each auction house has a different buyer's premium, potentially. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. Again, with the internet, you can sit back at your house, relax. Go to auction report. There's a list of all the auction houses that we cover. You can click on any of them. It goes right to them. And you shouldn't be afraid. I mean, it's, it's like anything else. You know, uh, if you're doing it, you know, it's a great tool. I, I've always liked the auctions because, you know, the main difference is, you know, in theory, there's always someone behind you that wanted the item that you wanted. They just bid one but bid not less. not as much. <laughs> right. Not as much. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, again, if you're standing in a card show and a guy has a, you know, a price of a thousand dollars on the item and you have to sit there and you go, well, you know, is it, do I really want to pay a thousand? Is it, should I offer them a little less? Is that a great deal? And I should just take it. I mean, the auctions kind of gives you some of that relief from that doubt and kind of shows you where others are interested in. And so that's what I've kind of always loved about the auctions. It's like, again, it just gives you a little bit more, I don't know, better feeling that you're just not arbitrarily picking a number and going, yeah, I'll just take it at that price. Right. I mean, it's tangible, right? When we started and we grown up in the hobby, how did you know something was worth? You had to look in Beckett, right? You had to look in the Beckett, Beckett magazine, yeah. and that was the only way to find out how much stuff was worth. You had to find the column and see what see, see, see how much the card was worth. And then the thing was printed probably six months before you you know you were even looking at it. So it, it, the the information was old. 
the beauty of today with the internet and with auctions is it's all real time. So if you think a card's worth $10, just go find out what it was sold on eBay or go find out how much Mile High sold it for in their auction. And, and that's where the real value is. Yeah, and I have to remind people too that like just because an item, again, if an item previously sold for you know $1,000 doesn't mean when you're looking at the item for sale, doesn't mean that it's worth, could be worth $2,000 now. It could be worth $500 now. So, I mean, again, when you look backwards on, on prices, realized it's a reference. It's not like that's exactly what the item is, is worth. It just gives you, you know, that range of what they have sold for in the past. But, you know, it takes the person to have some foresight to understand certain values are, might be too, you know, are, are lower. Like it's a good deal right now. I mean, again, if you start buying stuff in, in 2020, you know, memorabilia in particular, I mean, and, and had the foresight to say, you know, I'm going to spend a little extra and kind of win some of these great, you know, autograph pieces or game use memorabilia because six months later, that stuff's gone up 20, 40, 50%, you know, and uh, you know, if you were hanging on stuff that, you know, cards, especially new cards, as we've seen over the last six months yep. you know, that you said, Oh, you know, look at the comparables they are at 10 grand, nine grand, 11 grand, but now they're down 30%. I mean, looking back, it's a reference. It's not like the end all be all. So, you know, that's, again, the beauty of auctions usually show you fair market value in real time. Now, just, um, you know, as you know, there's a lot of collectors out there that have cards and, and this and stuff that they're either looking to get rid of, or, or maybe they, you know, they, they've had enough, they've been collecting cards for 60 years and their family doesn't want it and they want to, you know, unload them, but they don't, you know, they, they, they want to uh, get involved in an auction. You know, what are some of the the options out there for people in terms of what's the difference between consigning something and then or getting something to an auction house and having them buy it and then sell it? And, uh, you know, uh, you know, some people might say, oh, I don't have, you know, I don't have a, a, a Gaudi uh, Babe Ruth mint condition 10 card. My cards are, you know, they're nice cards, and, and but they're not two million dollar cards <laughs> well, here's we have a great service on our auction report that kind of helps everybody out you can either go to our website and you can click on uh consign sell your item it's just a form you fill out with your information you can put some information on what you have and what we do is we get it and we send that information to the auction houses that we cover and if they're interested in it they will contact you so you don't have to spend hours and hours calling each individual auction house out or you can simply just email us directly at info info at auctionreport.com, same thing, includes your name, phone number, email address, little description of potentially the items that you have. And again, we'll send it out to the auction houses and they'll contact you if they have interest in either buying them or having them be a consignment in one of their auctions. And, and again, you don't have to have million dollar items. There's auction houses that we cover that deal in $10 items, auction houses that deal in million dollar items and all sports, cards, memorabilia, they deal in everything. So again, the easiest thing for anybody that has something that's like, where do I go? Go to auctionreport.com. Again, there's a form, consign or sell your items. You can click on right on the homepage or just email us directly, info at auctionreport.com. We'll take your yeah. information and we'll send it out to them. Guys, I told you, this is the go-to site for everything auctions. He's Ryan and his team is there to help you. There's so much information. It is free, F-R-E-E. -E. It is fabulous. Check it out, auctionreport.com. Ryan, just a couple more questions and then I'll let you go. I know you're busy, busy, busy. We got we got all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, are you surprised how uh, involved the, the leagues have been uh, in terms of auctions? You know, NBA has auctions now. NFL has auctions. I've seen MLB. They just had a big All Star auction. They're they're really into the auctions as well. You know, it's it's just part of our entire ecosystem. I mean, like anything else, I mean, they want people involved in all aspects of their league. And 
you know, if, if collecting draws interest to actually going to the games, which we know it does, because, you know, we see, and again, I keep mentioning this new card market. There seems to be a very direct correlation between what is actually going on in the court or the games today and the value of the cards in our hobby. So I think the leagues see that they see the importance of, you know, the younger generation and how they enter um, their interest in their particular sport. And that correlates to the hobby. I mean, we all, again, you, it's the same theory, just kind of like enhanced go back any, you know, 30, 40 years to the eighties or whatever. Um, you know, when we were collecting, it was kind of like the same thing. You played baseball, then, you know, you, you, you collected baseball cards kind of went hand in hand. You didn't find a lot of people that didn't at that time, at least in my, you know, growing up, if you collected baseball cards, you also played that sport, right? You collected basketball cards. You played basketball. I think it kind of went hand in hand and, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, keeps the interest. And I think that's why the leagues want to be involved. And again, there's big money. Let's just, let's be honest as well. That's where the industry side comes in. I mean, these leagues yep. un- understand the value that's out there and they understand the legitimacy of our industry. And, uh, you know, again, the big money that's in it and they want to expand that their audience and their revenue and, and our industry is, is ripe for that. Well, I think uh, the infusion of uh, the young, younger people into the hobby in the last couple of years has been surprising to me. I know when I first started this podcast almost five years ago, that was one of the first things that, that, I, that we were always worried about is, is the hobby, the industry, that we were getting older, right? Our, our hobby base was getting older. But now when you go to a show, there's a lot of young, younger people at the, at the show and, and making purchases. And uh, I'm I'm very pleased. Do you see your demographics changing over the last year or so? You know, I think overall, I mean, the demographics of those interested in the auction, going to auction report, um, it's kind of steady. I mean, yes, there's been an uptick in the, when we say younger, I just kind of put it in a big category of under 40 and over 40. Um, Well, when you're 57, under 40 younger. (laughs) It's, you know, it is nice to see, but, you know, I mean, we once were there. I mean, I remember, you know, there's a huge, you know, group of us, you know, uh, dealers or people that own these companies, you know, that are in their forties that, you know, it seems like yesterday, you know, you were in your, you're 22 years old, walking the, the show floor and uh, you know, year after year after year, it's always the same thing. You know, are you going to get younger people? You know, everyone gets older and you need some younger to, you know, to, to keep it up. Um, but I think there's also like a natural transition or interest. Cause you know, like your income, you know, like you get out of college, you know, you're only making so much. It's hard to, spend your money on cards or memorabilia and then you know you get more successful in your career more steady you make more money you can kind of revisit and come back so sometimes you know you'll see like a resurgence in the younger 20s or 20s to 30s you'll see like a little lull between like the mid 30s and then you'll see them all come back you know in the late 30s and early 40s so um i i think it's just the sure volume of people that have all of a sudden come in at these different age levels over the last three years has been the most fascinating thing to me to see. Cause like you said, I mean, I, I can't remember, you know, going to con- convention and that's the only way you get to see people, right. Going to these conventions, right. um, just the amount of those again, 30 and under seem to be a very large number as compared to, to, you know, at once compared to previous years. So, yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest growth overall and, and actually, and women in the hobby, has been a massive growth as well, which is fantastic because women's sports have grown huge in, you know, in the last five, 10 years. And so I'm happy to see that as well. I mean, I have a daughter, so, you know, I'd like to, you know, see that interest, uh, you know, keep climbing as well. 
just one other question. I know you're you're um and a fan of NFTs and and what's your thoughts on the the NFT market and, and the future of NFTs in, in our hobby as overall? I'm not necessarily a fan of NFTs. Okay, uh, I thought you were. Infinite. I thought you were you were an NFT guy. I, I'm I, I'm not. I understand them. I'm a fan of some of the technical aspects of what an NFT can do. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of an NFT from a collecting standpoint just yet. Yeah, I'm no, I'm old school. Yeah. I want to hold that card yeah. in my hand, you know? Yeah, let me let me definitely clear. I'm not a fan of the collectible side of it. I am a fan of some of the techno technology side and what it's capable of doing from like the ledger standpoint and whatnot, which I don't want to bore anybody on. But yeah, I'm a tangible asset type of person. I want to hold it. I want to see it. I want to be able to display it. Um, that's the heart and soul of since I've been doing it and I don't think that'll ever go away. The NFTs market is, you know, it's in its infancy. Um, it's kind of like fraction, you know, it's not the same, but again, fractional shares have come into our market as well. Uh, again, all these things are in their infancy. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. I think, you know, uh, there's money to be made. There's some fun you could have, but I think people should be extremely cautious, um, because things need to be worked out, you know, um, just like the auction industry, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it was done one way. It expanded. It became what it is. You know, what it is today is totally different than it was 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, some of these other markets, NFTs, like I like you mentioned, they're, you know, what, a year too old. Yeah. Uh, I've had people on experts on, I'm still trying to get a hold of it. Uh, I understand it. I just don't, I, I don't know if it's going to, it's going to have legs. You know what I mean? Right now, I just, like I said, I think it's just too early. I, I you know, I think you should consider it a hobby. <laughs> I think that would be the safe way to, you know, if you just are like, man, I want to get into this. Unless you research it and really, really understand all the intricacies of it. It's like probably the best example I give you is, is being a day trader in stocks and having no clue what you're doing. You will lose a lot of money very, very quickly. So be very careful. It's interesting. Research, research, research. Just be careful. Uh, when you do it yeah i know you know uh, obviously tops and some of the other companies have it are, are big into nfts and it's all sorts of um the league really wants to get involved in the nfts because i think there's a, a money stream there right well it's yeah not only again there's revenue in it and it's great because I, if i if i understand it correctly myself if you don't have to physically make a product your costs are extremely low so i, right. I there's no wonder the leagues or tops love this product now it could also just be a generational thing maybe we finally just <laughs> reached that point in our lives where we're just too old to understand what this stuff is um you know well, I they, they derive revenue from the residual sales as well so not only the first sale right if, if i sell it to you they're going to get a, a piece of that pie as well again there's a lot of intricacies when it comes to nfts i'm not all familiar with everything so yeah there's like i said there's definitely money out there just don't get me wrong there's this is not a, a you know uh a no win market. It's just, it's not what uh, something I personally am comfortable with. I have not bought an NFT yet. Well, that was kind of a good interview. I uh, thank you, Ryan. Ryan, uh, Ryan has been on the show before and Ryan has been doing, been collecting and tuned into the hobby for a long time. And it's nice to get uh, somebody that kind of earns his living in the hobby to get <laughs> their, their take on, on what's going on in the hobby. And, uh, Ryan's pretty optimistic about the state of the hobby, and um, it's really cool to see, get some feedback on, on uh, what's going on in the auction community. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Uh, 
guys, this, that wraps up the show. We are, we, you know, we, already, wow. already, already. <laughs> it was only an hour and 10 minutes. Troy. <laughs> we went a little over because I love, love to hear from you. First, I want to try, thank Mr. Troy Rudder for joining us. Troy, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, everywhere pretty much is TTM Autograph. Uh, that's singular, ttmautograph.com. Uh, also on YouTube, TTM Autograph, and on Instagram, TTM Autograph. And you can find the book on Amazon. It's that is that is probably the only thing not under TTM Autograph. That is, you can search for Autograph Collecting Secrets, and uh, it should pop up right there. And uh, it, you can get it on Kindle. You can take it with you, or as I said earlier, you can have me lull you to sleep. Uh, by reading it to you at night. So uh, and Troy, does, Troy does sign autographs. I've seen his name pop up <laughs> once in a while on well, sportscollectors.net. So if you get it, if you buy a book from Troy, I'm sure he'll autograph it for you. Yeah, definitely. And I want to thank Ryan Friedman from Auction Report for joining us. It was great to talk to him. Of course, Les Wolf from Les Wolf uh, LLC. He is a, a hobby legend and from joining us from from, uh, more from less next week. We're going to have Ryan Grady from heritage to talk about the Mickey Mantle card. Uh, I want, we'll have drew back from his trip next week. Drew, uh, Troy is free to go. We, we, we thank you for your time. Hopefully it wasn't too (laughs) arduous to to listen to me for an hour. (laughs) Anything you want to add before I let you go, Troy? No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity and it's always a, a pleasure to come on here. So. We love to have you. You know, you're welcome. Maybe we'll, we'll have Troy on as a guest uh, later in the year to, to catch up with him. Um, next week, as I said, we have Derek Brady from Heritage. Uh, I want to thank everyone from Listen. We will see you next week. Wishing everyone many happy returns. <laughs>